What's up, everybody? Welcome to PSI Love You XOXO Episode 5. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside the Pride of Long Island, Colin Moriarty. It's good to be here with you today. That microphone's nuts and bolts aren't to your specifications. No, it's not. I'll tell you what. I uh, Last night, I was watching uh, Soul Man and 30 for 30 about... Uh, I'm obsessed with looking at Stop the looking at the monitor! Just shut it off. I don't need to see it. I do, though. We need to see it. Because no, you look back there, what if it dies? You know it's how, distracting. You know There's all moving works. stuff, and I'm obsessed with looking at the clock. No, we're we never switching that. seats. Uh, so I, uh, I was watching Soul Man, right? Um, and uh, it's a thirty for thirty about uh, the rise of the basketball shoe industry. It's mm-hmm, really fascinating. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's on Netflix. People can watch it. And I went and 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 brought my leg up to to scratch it and pulled my leg last night during well, Soul Man. Yeah, when I was okay. in bed. Sure. And then this morning, I um I dropped the soap, uh, and I went and crouched to pick it up, and I I threw out something in my back. That kind of hurts right now, so I'm a little, you know, I'm a little whacked this is what out, more whacked out than usual. Like your early thirties, yeah. these are them. Yeah, it's the rest uh, of your life it's now. a thing, and uh, but otherwise I'm fine. I'm in a great shape, and everything's good. Okay, good. Yeah, I'm ready to go. Except for all the muscles that yeah. are falling apart mm-hmm. as you go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're really hurt. The leg thing really hurt. I thought I like tore my my ACL. Or the something. worst <laughs> is when you don't drink enough water, and then you get that cramp in your leg. Mm-hmm. You go on, you go into those Charlie horses in your. Legs. I don't drink right. You drink more than enough water. So I don't. I don't know if you. I don't know. I don't know where it all goes because I get dehydrated like nobody's business still. On the airplanes, I'll come off with headaches. I gotta, I gotta make a point to drink a lot of water those times. I think it might be that I just carry a lot of water around with me. Mm. Who knows how much I drink? It's similar to you with the bottles, where the bottles are all over the house, half drank. Yeah, three fourths still there. Right, it's all over. The I fill up the same water bottle like ten times too. You always say that, and then I come in and clean up in here, and there's two bottles in here. Well, I mean, I, I'm not saying I'm so telling you. You have a bottle out there, so I just don't understand. Do you understand that you're not refilling them? Sometimes? I am refilling. I'm actually refilling them. But how, what about when I'm throwing them away then? Well, then they're throwing away. It doesn't mean that they weren't refilled before you threw them away. I mean, you're. But I'm you're saying, why would there be two semantics. or three open if they if they are refilling them every time? I don't know. It seems like you just ref, you just keep this guy with you. You're assuming that I don't have multiple bottles that are all being refilled. But you're making I know I know that there's always multiple bottles in the house. Is what I'm saying. Mm. So if I'm throwing some of these away for sure. Mm. How many open bottles? Do you buy a twenty pack and then just open them all and then no. just over time? No, okay. I don't do that. Very interesting. You. Yeah, I mean, it's well, it's not that interesting, but it's, uh, it's something dad. that well, yeah. If you know, ladies and gentlemen, this is P.S. I love you. XOXO, uh, kind of funny. Dot com's PlayStation podcast, the number one PlayStation podcast on the internet according to iTunes, except for that. Well, not except for that. That we'd be the number one video game podcast if it wasn't for Hunt the Truth. Hunt the Truth. Well, hey, and then we'd be the number one games and hobby podcast if it wasn't for Car Talk reruns. Well, Car Talk. I told you guys got to go watch Car Talk. Everyone went and watched and listened to listen, Car Talk. We've, and here we we've are. taken the mantle. Number one PlayStation podcast. Very proud of it. Worked very hard. Based on iTunes. Um. Well, it's more most. I mean, iTunes is a pretty good barometer. You'd imagine. Yeah, I don't know. So I think a lot of people get that. That's how I, did, I That's how I did. I said when Beyond became the number one PlayStation podcast, I based it on iTunes. Well, I mean, your assumption it. being that there's like, you know, if you got it from another source or whatever, but you can also get PS I Love You from another source and, yeah. and it's doing really well on, on YouTube. So I'm confident in saying that PS I Love You XOXO is the new number one PlayStation podcast in the world. Yeah. And I'm extremely proud of that. Me too. And we did a really nice job. It's time to wrap it up. Put a bow no, on it. It's no when you know when it's time to go, and it's time to go. Like Seinfeld, you go out when you're on top. On top, right? Yeah. We can't risk ever being in second place. Nah. So I'm I'm happy to admit, and also sad to say, that this is the last episode of. What PSL kind of UXO, podcast so. could we start to take on car talk reruns? Talking cars. Ah, nice. And then I'm you're gonna have to kill you so that one of us is dead, and then we're gonna have to go into reruns. But first, we're gonna have to record like a lot. 35 years a worth lot of content. Of episodes. Yeah. yeah okay. Those guys, you want to talk about content creators? 
They're, that's them. Yeah, since the 70s. And if you mm-hmm. like the show, P.S. I love you, XOXO. Make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube.com slash games or go over to iTunes, subscribe to us there. Drop us a review on either place, thumbs up, whatever you want to do. Share it with your friends. Of course, that's a huge deal. But remember that kindoffunny.com keeps the lights on. So go to kindoffunny.com. Watch all the videos. Go to our Twitch page. Subscribe. Like. Do that. Go to the Patreon.com slash games. Do all that different stuff. I put every, every, every time we do one of these shows, mm. which is the fifth time already. Mm. I put them on here. I got to tell you, of course, go. we got the shirts for Kind of Funny. Or we got the shirts for Kind of Funny. We got the shirts for PS I Love You. You go over kindoffunny.com slash store. Uh, this week, if you're listening to this, which you should be in the weekly fashion, we're about to do our Q&A for the folks over on patreon.com slash games Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific time. If you go over there, you support us at the $15 level or higher, you get a private Q&A with us. That's happening right now. And don't forget that Extra Life is coming up super soon. November 7th. And it's uh, creeping. Kindoffunny.com slash extra life. You can go donate to the team, join the team. But basically, all you need to know is that on November 7th, we'll be playing games for 24 hours for charity. It's creeping so up. Super fun. It's yeah, creeping up. It's just like close. you creeping up in my room at night watching me sleep. Mm-hmm. And I, Someone's got to make sure you don't choke on your own tongue. Yeah. Now, I'm here's, glad you're there for me. Here's the thing, Colin. Let's get through this at the top of the show. You're at home right now. You're, or maybe you're in your car on your way to work. Enjoying this new episode of PS I Love You XOXO. You're having a great time. And you're like, oh, also, it's Paris Games Week Day. It's Tuesday. This show comes out at 9 a.m. We know that Paris Games Week, they're doing the, they're doing the press conference. I can't wait to hear what they're going to say. We don't know what we're going to say about Paris Games mm, Week yet. yet. We, of course, record this in advance. We end our Mondays recording it so you get it hot and fresh on Tuesdays. Now, normally, you'd say, oh, shucks, they're stupid. They're not, they're not going to talk about it this week. It'll be old by the time they get to it next week. We are week. stupid. Okay, that's fine. They're stupid for that decision. Right. We're stupid for a million other decisions. Mm. What we're excited to tell you is that PSI Love You XOXO Episode 6 will be out in mere hours. Three to four to five hours mm. when you're listening. If you're to listening this. to this right when it's hot off the press. I'm sure they are. People probably forgot about the Paris Games Week conference well, and we're fuck, listening to this rather up. than watching. Now, I want to say that even though you persuaded me to do it this way, that my my initial idea when I emailed around and was talking to Tim was that I wanted to do this show on Monday as we're doing it right now, put right. it up on Tuesday, right. episode five, and then say nothing about Paris Games Week. Yeah. And... Just make it seem like we we're going to go a whole week without a Paris Games Week podcast, and then just magically another episode appeared later that day. Sure, I liked that idea yeah. a lot, mm-hmm. but you wanted to communicate more directly. I kind of wanted to be a little bit sure, mean, I, almost mean about it, but not mean, but, but like oh, in a way where it's like I because I knew people would complain, and then I wanted to ignore everything until the new podcast went up and be like, I, we had a plan all along. You should have been more patient. Sure, you know, we should. The been problem more is though that people think about it like in terms of sex. Your girlfriend's going out of town. What's sex? You, exactly. Your girlfriend's going out of town. Mm. You you wanted to knock the boots beforehand, mm. right, or whatever. You know, you don't get to, but then she's gone. And you're like, well, I'm just going to knock boots with somebody else, and so no big deal. And then she comes back, and it turns out that you could have just waited and knocked boots with her, but you knocked boots with somebody else, and you didn't need to knock any boots. Cause and you so is she not okay with that? Probably not. Could have just I don't, masturbated. I didn't want, I, just it's one of those things. We've just gotten to being the number one PlayStation podcast mm the number two video game podcast and the number three car talk podcast. Mm. I don't feel like giving that up. I don't want anybody to get, have any reason to go out and explore. So they get two giant episodes today. Or don't explore. Don't explore. Everything's don't. been found. Exactly. It's all been You're found. just here. You're happy. Just settle into monogamy with us. Monogamy with Colin and Greg. That's the, that's, that's the car talk show. We're going to still don't out. know what sex is, but we're going to, we're going to figure that out. And I, I think the, as I said, the third option was masturbation, right? You get your giant episode here with all the normal stuff. I still, in there understand, and I still understand the questions. analogy. And then we come back later today, double dip. You get your Paris Games Week reactions and things like that. Sure. 
We won't have time for your questions in that one. So that'll be, here's what the news was. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll be able to open up Twitter on that time. Uh, maybe if you're lucky. Maybe. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Colin. Yes. Let's begin the show with what is and forever will be Roper's Report. <laughs> time for singular possessive news. Now, there are 15 items on the list. A baker's dozen. And I didn't even put them in any order, so no particular order to Let's go. Let's see how I want to do this. I I want to see if I want to I want to I kind of want to do it in a specific way. But you know what? A few weeks ago we did it in whatever order we wanted to do it. We'll do it again that way. This is the order in which I wrote them. Yeah. Uh, number one, German developer Jaeger has broken the silence about losing a major project when publisher Deep Silver took them off of Dead Ooh. Island Two, a project that was well into development. In a conversation with Games Industry International, Jaeger's managing director Timo Ullman said, quote, having a project canceled in such a late state is a catastrophic event on so many different levels. It really is the worst possible outcome. Everybody involved loses, end quote. GameSpot points out that Jaeger Productions, the so-called single purpose piece of Jaeger created for the development of Dead Island 2, was shut down entirely once the game was pulled. Ullman said, quote, I really don't blame them and we wish we we wish them all the best. And I think he's talking about Deep Silver here. Yeah, it's tough and not being given the chance to finish Dead Island 2 that that hurts, you know, right after the announcement, uh, a part of the team was a bit shell shocked, of course, but you have to motivate yourself to keep going. Cancellation of projects, especially if the stakes are so high, is not unheard of. It hurt us. Yes, but it happens. That's it. Mm. Nothing else to really be said about that other than I wanted to share that information. It's interesting that they, they talked about it. I was going to say I could go for more, though. Why do they think it got canceled? What were they, what were their reasons? Do they think they were so far behind? Were there a miscommunication with the company? Assuming that he's talking about Deep Silver and I don't have the context to be positive that is he says i really don't blame them so yeah. you can only be talking about deep silver yeah or jaeger the, the studio, the studio. but down. let's assume he's talking about deep silver i don't know right i really don't blame them and we wish them all the best so so you know that your game didn't look that good you understand the reasons you know the deadlines you miss speak to me jaeger assuming that that's he's talking about deep silver he's talking about jaeger then he's, he's gonna say i can't blame the greater company for laying off an entire team that has no more game to work on but you know I don't know. Just wanted to share that. Number two. I'm glad you shared it. Oh, thank you. Number two. Ubisoft may be the target of a hostile takeover at the hands of Vivendi. Have you seen anything about this? I have. You, well, I've been just talking to you about it. Vivendi, which until recently owned a piece of Activision Blizzard, has purchased 6.6% of Ubisoft stock worth 140 million euros. And Ubisoft isn't pleased about it. And in an internal email leaked to Games Industry International, Ubisoft CEO Yves Gilmont stated that, quote, Vivendi and his chairman... This is in quotes, had a reputation, then the quote starts again. For aggressively, quote, for aggressively pursuing companies within the entertainment sector, our intention, this is an ellipsis after that. So I want to be clear, this is an ellipsis. I understand. Our intention is and has always been to remain independent, a value which for 30 years has allowed us to innovate, take risks, create beloved franchise for players around the world, and which has helped the company grow into the leader it is today. Ellipsis. We're going to fight to preserve our independence. We should not let the situation or any future actions by Vivendi or others distract us from our goals. Our best defense is to stay focused on what we have always done best, deliver the most original and memorable gaming experiences. End quote. Vivendi, after the initial purchase of 6.6% of Ubisoft stock, gobbled up more stock and today owns 10.39% of Ubisoft. In a comment relayed by Reuters, which just came out a few hours ago from the time we were recording this, Vivendi noted that, quote, these acquisitions were not specifically designed as a preparatory step for the plan to take over Ubisoft or Gameloft because they're also buying shares of Gameloft. But... Nevertheless, over the six coming months, <laughs> Vivendi cannot rule out the possibility we don't, that of considering such a plan. That's why we weren't doing it, but now that we have so much, maybe. It's interesting because as far as I know, well, Vivendi owned a piece of Activision Blizzard, and Bobby Kotick, I think, 
and those guys deployed some sort of initiative to buy their stock back from them. So Vivendi's out of the gaming space. Now Vivendi wants back in the gaming space, and they're going after a company that I think probably even has a brighter future than Activision, and that's Ubisoft. Yeah. Um, and by a brighter future, I mean that I think Ubisoft is in a better position to have more properties that are going to do better in the next five to ten years than sure. Activision, sure. which I think has a Call of Duty, which is plateauing. When, and I'm really interested to see if it's going to stall out and start going down. And then they have Skylanders, which has a lot of competition. And they have Destiny, which is you know huge. Yep. Uh, but they also released... Uh, they're releasing these kind of subpar platinum games. They released Tony Hawk, so it's not all yeah. rosy for them. Plus, they're not going to be able to make their Marvel games anymore and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Their Spider-Man games. Um, hostile takeovers are a fact, a fact of business, and I and I, and they're fascinating to me. Eve's Gilmont has every reason to be scared, since if they are able to take over, uh, the and and have controlling stake of the board, then he He's might out. be out. Yeah. So I I so he might be speaking from a a place of, um. Uh, personal kind of protecting himself and, and sure and, he wants and, to protect his company, power. his people, and like the network or the you know leadership team they built. But that's that's an assumption. They only have ten percent of the stock right now, which is a lot of stock. I mean that's that gives them power. Yeah. Um, whether I, I'm interested in more, where are they yeah. getting this stock from? Who are they like poaching and picking off? Because to get you're not going to go on the market and buy ten percent of a company. You need to be able to identify people that own big shares of the company and start picking them off, and that seems to be lost. I've not read deeply about it, but I'm interested in like who is collaborating with them in order to like get more and more shares and if it will go up and up because it seems like they were unswayed after you they own six point six percent of the stock as of the time Eves Gilmont released a statement and then went on and bought four percent more of the stock, three point eight percent more stock, and now own a tenth of the company. So um scary. This is what happens when you're public. If you go watch yeah. the movie Batman Begins, this there's a there's a subplot of this where this happens it teaches you a lot i assume that's what they watched over at vivendi before they went out and started doing this indeed you didn't get the memo i'm i'm fat that's one of the most fascinating stories i've heard in a long time i'm interested to see where that goes yeah vivendi's like really trying to muscle their way in number three playstation 4 has already gotten a price shop in japan and the u.s now it's also received a price shop in the uk and australia sorry canada GameSpot. well canada well canada did get their price shop even though i think the price went up exactly (laughs) But that's an, that's inflation. Inflation. Yeah. Gamespot reports that the PS4 will now cost Australian dollars four hundred seventy nine ninety five Australian dollars, Ooh. down from five hundred forty nine ninety five Australian dollars. So that's a savings of seventy dollars. Eurogamer. Meanwhile, Eurogamer has confirmed that the PS4 uh, in the UK will now cost two hundred ninety nine pounds, so three hundred pounds. Um. So go get them. You know, make sure you're checking the prices. Double check. This is yeah. what I've been reading. I don't know if this is true at every retailer. Also, for other territories that do not. Speak English, uh, you know, Western Europe and South America. I don't know what's going on with your consoles. Sorry. Number four. Square Enix has every intention of going back to its well of IP to revitalize and make new again old and forgotten franchises. Square Enix's annual report, as noted by Polygon, outlines a so-called, quote, way forward. End quote to, quote, revitalize existing IP. End quote. Square Enix intends on taking, quote, IP developed for earlier generations of game consoles and recreate it for the latest consoles, quote. End quote. An emphasis, unfortunately, has been placed on smart devices, though consoles are also mentioned. Square wants to do this in order to, quote, relish reliving past experiences with a freshness that only the latest in technology can provide, end quote. Uh, this is all, again, comes from Polygon. Polygon does note that this has already been happening with Final Fantasy VII now being remade for PS4 and PC. Um, and also Dragon Quest games, Final Fantasy games being put on Android and iOS to mixed reviews, some weird art, some weird translation issues. Um... Not a huge surprise. I'm just kind of curious. Bouncer's what, the bouncer's ba- back. Well, I like the bouncer. Now, I'm curious what I'm curious what uh, 
Well, because a lot of people shit on the bouncer. I think the bouncer's fine. I mean, Especially I mean, I, early in that PS2 era. That's the thing. With that, those kind of lens on it. I remember playing it and being like, all right, this isn't for me, but I understand it. I would have taken anything at that point. Exactly. We were all fucking desperate as hell. Um, also, shout out. Today is our recording. 15th anniversary of the PlayStation. All right, well, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. So why don't you just relax? And I just wanted to give a shout out. Just relax, because you just ruined. Now there's only 14 items in the list. Well, I think it's still news. You got to talk about it. You no, get there. No, you got a quote? Did re- you get a quote from no, it? No, no did, you call up? did you call up Jack Trenton and get a quote? Jackie? No, I didn't yeah, call him. Should have. He loved me, Jack Trenton, but... Best interviewer he ever yeah, had, he said. Yeah, that's what he told yeah. me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Of course, he had to steal my thunder with that, just like he had to steal my thunder with the Hulk Hogan video that I did, which you know was what? awesome. I'm sorry Until sometimes. you had to do a better Hulk Hogan video. I just, Well, I mean, that's just how it goes. You know, you build a better mousetrap. Would you want me to? Do you want me to go out there and shit the bed with the Hulk Hogan thing? Now, what about this? It just turns out he's a racist, so we don't have to worry about him. Both those interviews can. I heard IGN deleted both of them. Did they? No, God no. I thought maybe you know, Hulk Hogan's history. a little bit of trouble, Hulk so Hogan, I didn't know. Hulk Hogan. To, can you imagine? Pear runs into the office one. Day, he's like, "All right, guys, this Hulk Hogan situation. Delete all Hulk Hogan content." Guess that's what they do with the WWE, though, isn't it? Uh, number five. If you're looking forward to playing Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 5 on PlayStation 3 for some reason, you may be waiting a while. It appears the last-gen version of the game already released on current-gen platforms like PS4 is delayed. Activision released a statement to Eurogamer that stated the following, quote, We are working closely with our developers to address the issues identified by our community. Our development resources are fully focused on fixes and content updates for PS4 and Xbox One. So we've decided to delay the release of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 5 on PS3 and Xbox 360. We will update the community when we have more specific information about a release date for PS3 and Xbox 360. Uh, end quote. And then I just put here, it says the game's got to be canceled. At this it's point. never coming. It's over. Give it up. Why bother? Yeah. Yeah. Why well, uh, just give it up? Game's a complete mess. This is an interesting one. I'm curious what you Finally. think of this one. All right. Number six. The Until Dawn DLC and VR rumors simply will not end. Oh, Though the next rumor is a little more compelling than most. A report on Destructoid claims that not only is Untold Dawn getting DLC, but it's already in market testing. It's purposely, it's, I'm sorry, it's purportedly called Russia Blood and maybe a first-person on-rail shooter that will work with PlayStation VR. The description of the game, according to Destructoid's source, is as follows. Quote, well, you get transported around inside a minecart. It's very literally an on-rail experience. There are a few scattered jump scares, as you'd expect, but I played the same 20-minute section twice, once with DualShock 4, once with dual move controllers. Okay. So I'm hoping that full DLC is a lot more padded out. I didn't see which character I was playing as. I'm not sure if it's specified, but no names were mentioned at all. It starts off shooting targets in the snow, then moves towards a house. And as you get deeper into the house, enemies start appearing. I believe they were Wendigos, which were the enemies in Until Dawn. Spoilers. The frequently reused jump scare is the ghost from inside the house in Until Dawn, who you end up fighting for the final area I played. Upon killing the ghost, the game would crash every time. End quote. The reason this piece of information is tantalizing is because something PlayStation Lifestyle pointed out from an interview they conducted with developer Supermassive's executive producer, Pete Samuels. He said in their interview in part, quote, PlayStation VR cropped up in conversations a few times during development, but no, we don't expect that there'll be an addition of Until Dawn's story to be playable in VR anytime soon. Not unless somebody has a sudden rush of blood. End quote. And I looked at that when I read that quote a few weeks ago. I was like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, we talked about that. Yeah. And, uh... The DLC is reportedly called Rush, Rush of Blood. Blood. Mm-hmm. 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 Very interesting, Pete what Samuels. You, how's, that, how's that strike you? I think it's real. But do you want it to be real? No. Thank you. Definitely not. Let me go right to the questions. Of course, if you want to be part of the show, ladies and gentlemen, kindoffunny.com slash PSQ. Of course, PS, I love you, XOXO, but PSQ Q for questions. That's where Matt 
Hargit went and said, Peppered across the interviews with Sony and studios have been specific mentions or allusions to Move, Wonderbook, and plain PSN titles being used as internal demonstrations for PlayStation VR. Then he goes through a whole bunch of ones that he's seen Walking with Dinosaurs, Africa, Mod Nation Racers. What games would you like to see brought to PlayStation VR? Now, this goes back to what I'm always saying here. None. No, this is terrible. Don't do this. Uh, you are like, hey, what was a great, what was that great game we loved? Until Dawn. Right. Put everybody in a mine cart and have them shoot a, a ghost as they go. It reminds me of like Dead Space Extraction or something yes. like that. And or like, the Resident Evil games on Wii. I like that's going to be the biggest thing they got to overcome with PlayStation VR, and they need to look at PlayStation Move for you know like PlayStation Move in Bioshock for, for anti inspiration for inspiration. I'm like, let's not do that. <laughs> let's not take games people already love or know and understand how to play and put them in there. Now, what's interesting is, of course, there's been the volume stuff, the volume PlayStation VR business is that on there too. It's ju- it is just in the last piece, but you can talk about it more. Uh, that that's going to happen now. There's going to be a volume VR deal. The Coda. Exactly. And we don't know anything really about it in terms of it, but it's like, okay, that's still a new enough property and different. And like, you could kind of see being in first person being that guy, right? Where you like, see the guy you got down, crouch around the walls or whatever that I give a pass to that's its own thing. Okay. Whatever. But I do like, you know, the games that were being listed here by Matt, you know, like, Datura, Africa, Mod Nation Racers, iPad, Pain. Man, he's Don't. a big PlayStation. I mean, I'm not making fun of him either. He's a big PlayStation fan because he's pulling out some fucking obscure PS exclusives. And stuff. I haven't heard what he's talking about here. Is like he's talking, Datura and he's Africa. He's referencing that these random PlayStation titles have been used as. Uh, I did play Datura in, in VR? VR. I haven't played. I, I've only been playing the new experiences they put on your face. The what the fuck was it? I'm I'm I may be misremembering this. And what I might have played was a very early for, form of Morpheus. But I don't think it was. Yeah. They had no. Here, all right. I think I remember what it was. We went to an event. It was in 2011, maybe 2012 at the latest. You and I were playing. Uh, we went. We split up, and I went and played that Torah, which was a game from Plastic. It's a Polish um, demo scene studio. They don't really make games. They make mm-hmm. like they made um, uh, Linger in Shadows, which was like a PS3 yeah. kind of experience, and they made that Torah, which was something I was really excited about. The Torah should have been awesome. It wasn't, yeah. but it should have been awesome. And. Um, one of the producers from Sony, the Sony side, Santa Monica producers that were working at the Torah had this setup where it wasn't VR, but it was it was it was this piece. It was this module that where they taped. It was, I think, literally duct taped two PS moves oh, to my head, yeah, like yeah. on this like on this uh, this almost like glasses or something like yeah. that. And it would allow you to like it would like head track and stuff like that. And so it seemed like they were working on Datora in a sense as a very early thing to work in this. And Datora probably would work in that. It's just not a very interesting game. Yeah. Um the thing that I find compelling about this, Greg, with the Untold Dawn DLC is that it already if Russia Blood is real, then they're already talking about one of the major problems that it has that I talked about last week, which was the perspective. Mm-hmm. Until Dawn is in third person. So you always know who you're playing as. That's the idea. Yeah. He says he played twice, 20 minutes, two 20 minute segments, twice the same one. And he's in first person. So they already have to shove the camera in because uh, you can't, like, I don't understand how VR is going to work in third person, which takes away volume must be, for instance, volume is a third person top down kind of game. Yeah. They must have swung the camera down and out to put you into perspective of him, which is, might be possible in that engine. Yeah. Um, this seems like, yeah, a weird kind of thing. If I was an Until Dawn fan that was not up on my Until Dawn and I saw this DLC pop in the store and I bought this and I needed to shoot things in it, I'd be really pissed off. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to be good or bad. I don't know. I just, I think that to his point, to this point, to the point I was making last week, there's a lot of technical ramifications for taking a third person game and shoving it in the first person to, to work in VR. Well, VR cannot work in third person. 
Like I don't understand what the point of being in VR is if you're if you're playing in third person. Yeah. So to their point, Until Dawn was made on the Killzone Shadowfall engine, Gorilla's proprietary engine. That was what Until Dawn was built on, and that game was that that the interesting thing about that engine was that engine was built for first person shooting. So they might have just reverted back to the core of what that engine can do, mm, which would be promising. But if we're going to play an Until Dawn shooter in VR, I'd rather just play it. I don't the, the on rails thing is actually the thing that makes me the most yeah apprehensive about yeah. it. Yeah, I don't want all, I don't want all these carnival games. You know what I mean? I don't want just shooting gallers. Right. You mean carnival games, the PS3 game, or you mean carnival games? I mean like car- real, carnival real games. literal carnival. Yeah, games. yeah, yeah. Because there was a you know well, we I remember carnival. We're the only ones that know that game yeah. exists. We tried it for the trophies. Mm-hmm. We sure did. Number seven, Sony has released an, an, an at least an, an I'm sorry, I'm going to start again because I'm having a fucking stroke. It's okay, don't worry. Number seven, Sony has released an at least partial list of developers and games that will appear at PlayStation Experience in December. Gotcha. A list of confirmed developers and publishers include Square Enix, EA, Devolver Digital, CCP, Idea Factory, Maximum Games, Double Fine, 2K, Ubisoft, Bungie, Capcom, Activision, Armature, 505 Games, Treyarch, WB Games, Bandai Namco, Wargaming, and Disney. First-party studios confirmed for some sort of appearance appearance include Sony San Diego, Naughty Dog, Media Molecule, Sony Santa Monica, Studio Japan, and XDev, which is part of Santa Monica. Uh, I won't go into the games because a lot of them are indie games you've never heard of, but a full list can be found at PlayStation Blog if you want to go over there. Where are you at, Bend? Um, saying Bend is going to be there is too obvious. They'll be there, although I'm still holding on hope that they're going to be at Paris Games Week, but I don't think so. I thought it would be most interesting for us to go through the first parties to see what they will have there because I don't think it's actually going to be above and beyond what you'd think it would be. Sony San Diego is going to have uh, Kill Strain mm-hmm. and Drawn to, Drawn to Death. Yeah. Naughty Dog will have Uncharted. Media Molecule will have Dreams. Sony Santa Monica. Now what they, they XDev and Sony Santa Monica are put up separately. Mm-hmm. This was the major what I looked at as a That's canary in the coal mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because XDev and Santa Monica are usually talked about as one even though there's XDev presence in Japan and XDev presence in the UK, the XDev output at Santa Monica has been the most prolific by far. Um, that indicates to me that we might see Santa Monica's game. That'd be awesome. Um, although, although I don't know. I don't yeah. know. It might not be time considering the cancellation. They, they had to start again. So who knows? Yeah. And then Studio Japan, uh, you have to assume, will be there with something like Gravity Rush. Mm-hmm. Um, or Neck 2 which I know you've been dying for. I'm telling you right now, NAC 2 is a fucking thing and it's coming out. I'm telling you it is. And you know it and I know it and everyone knows it. All right? It's not time for NAC 2 yet. It's never time for NAC 2, Good but point. it's going to be time for NAC 2 when it is not in fact time for NAC 2. Do you understand what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, I do. Okay. I don't think PSX this year, NAC 2. They have that NAC engine, man, and got to get it going. They, I played NAC I played I played NAC for a few hours and it froze literally 10 times, I think. I was like, "Fuck this game." But I was playing it for trophies like a moron. Yeah. Ah! I also realized that I never got my Killzone Shadowfall trophies and I might want to go back and play it again. Oh, were you playing on D-Book? Yeah. It's a good game. Very good game. Yeah. Number eight. You didn't platinum it though, right? No. You, no, you want to no, just no, play no, through no. one more time? Yeah, just the, just the campaign. Okay. I like the campaign. It was fun. Shadowfall is a fun game. Number eight. This is an interesting one too. Okay, good. I'm glad there's two. I don't that think you know about this one yet. Okay, good. Sony has been distributing a survey around some of its players, as reported by NeoGAF user Saint of Killers. This invite-only survey shared by the user asks players and features uh, asks players what features are most important to them should they be added. Players can choose as many as they want or no choices, and there are 13 choices in total. The choices are notifications when friends come online, PS1 classics, PS2 classics, 
folders, appear offline mode, hide or remove items from library, like demos. Yeah. Delete items from your library, which is dangerous. Yeah, why would you want to do that? That's silly. Filtering options in games library, which is really needs to happen, especially on Vita. It's like a fucking mess. Download avatars on, excuse me, download avatars on PS4. Custom backgrounds, store wish list, increase yes. maximum number of people in a party, and of course, no. changing PSN IDs. Mm-hmm. It's worth noting, as I wrote here to myself, it's worth noting that the store wish list has already been implemented. So I wonder, yeah. I wonder when this even happened. I, I believe that killer Saint of Killers on NeoGAF got this today, but I don't, or recently in the last few days, but I don't. You don't know when marketing kicked it out. Yeah, because that happened already. Yeah. And again, Tidex, our friend Tidex, who may or may not have inside information, I don't know, claims that the PSN ID change is happening at PSX. Mm-hmm. So um, well, there's more to this, though. There's another window. It says it also asks gamers, and this is interesting, to identify a window of time when they think system software 4.0, which will be the next update, big update, will be available. And the windows are from the end of this year all the way to 2017. That's just, I think, like, hey, user, where do you, what do you think, when do you think the next big update would come? I think that's just, they're, they're interested in, they're not looking for, like, advice. They're just like. Oh, no, I don't think they're looking for advice either, but it's just a bad question to ask because sure. it doesn't really matter what yeah. we think. You know, it'll happen when it happens. Yeah. Um, and as we've seen with the PSN IDs, it really doesn't matter how much we bitch about something. They're not going to do it. They better fucking. I'm telling you, I'm going to have a fucking meltdown at, a, at, at, at PSX. Will you stand up and yell? Chuhei! If they announce it, I'll stand up and yell. You know, about, you'll cheer. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, about okay. it's about time. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. You think yep. they'll reference you? I feel bad it? for the B- bad PSN name people that send us their shit, man. Do you want this one's right now? No, I'll save it. I don't want to get into it right now. I like it when the show's you know variety spice. All right, well Mrs. let's Dash. do it. Let's do it right now, ladies and gentlemen. There's a segment right here on PS. I love you, XOXO, called PSN's worst name of the week. This is where you go to uh, kindoffunny.com slash forums. You go into the PS I Love You forums and you leave a bad name you've seen, just like Bald Wombat did. My dude. My my dude, Bald <laughs> Wombat. He says, so I'm playing Destiny and I pop into the tower to decode some engrams and standing in front of me at the Cryptarch is Vag Violator 69. Please, Shuhei, let us change our names. Vag Violator, Violator 69. 69. I'd be interested to see. You know what? You know, look up his trophies? Yeah, because I just want to see how long you can possibly get away with that name. Like you can I would get away love forever. No one's checking that. Vag violator. None of those things are bad on their own. It's just when 69. they're put together. Like the joke. It's just that V A G violator sixty nine. Yeah. Vag violator sixty nine has been updated and is in the queue. Here we go. All right. So I have a lifetime PSN profiles other thing here. There we go. Vag violator. Yes, Vag violator sixty nine has had this since at least. It seems like he has has had this since PS4 launched. Okay. Because his first game was DCUO, which he has no trophies in. Oh, you son of a bitch, Vag Violator. I thought we and were And Zen bros. Pitball 2 has no trophies, but they're both on PS4. And Battlefield 4 is the first one he pinged a trophy on. And that's from January 30th, 2014. What level is he in trophies? He's level 5. He has 139 bronze, 24 silver, no gold, no platinum. So he doesn't care about trophies. You're gross. And it doesn't seem like he really plays anything very deeply. What's his destiny? How, how, what are his destiny trophies like? He has 50% of the Destiny trophies. Okay. So it's, it seems like a game. That's, that's his game. He's also played Persona 4 Gold, and he has a Vita. Okay. He played Metal Gear Solid 3 on Vita, Tales of Hearts R on Vita. Okay, Vag Violet, you're 69. He seems like he likes Rogue Legacy. It doesn't seem like he gets into games too deeply, though, because he, he seems like he tries things and jumps out. 
Mm-hmm. Maybe he's an Xbox. Maybe he's coming over here for you know t- toying it out. So, you know some of those games for some Vag violating sixty nine. So, yeah, he's got he's getting the PS Plus games. You know mm-hmm. and he's doing that stuff because he's sure. playing the Destiny. Yeah, teaches them. Okay. So he's uh, had that name for almost two years. Well, well there's done. no way to track it. Adam boys can't be out there looking for combinations of Vag looking for Vag violators. Number nine, EA has released a metric shit ton of data derived from its Star Wars Battlefront beta. More than nine and a half million players tried the beta across all available consoles, making it EA's biggest beta ever, which we already knew. What we didn't know is that 1.6 billion minutes were played, enough time to watch the original trilogy 4.2 million times. Vader and Luke were both spawned nearly 6 million times each. The E-11 blaster killed 293 million characters, and the AT-ATs were destroyed 783,000 times on Hoth. Six million players reached rank five and unlocked the jump pack. There's some stats there. People are into it, Greg. People are into it. I'm looking forward to kicking the tires when it comes out out. Heard the ad at. Well, kick something hard. Oh. Number 10. Good news. Fallout 4 has gone gold. And Bethesda has confirmed on Twitter that you will be able to preload the game on your PS4, giving you just a few days before the game comes out to get it all locked and loaded. And then parenthetically, I want you to know, uh, in case you're curious, Just Cause 3 has also gone gold well ahead of its December 1st launch. Didn't feel like it was worth its own item. I'm glad. I like that you piled them together. Roger. Pocorny. Went over to kindoffunny.com slash PSQ and left this one. Hey guys, this week a few games went gold. Fallout 4, Just Cause 3, Need for Speed. This is great and all, but my question is, does this mean anything anymore? Games nowadays, even games nowadays, even those that went gold months before release and are technically finished are rarely really done. Day one patches still come out. Some games continue to come out in broken forms and servers blow up. I'm not saying that these games in particular are going to suffer for the same fate, but I just was wondering... If going gold is an important milestone, if games still use day one patches and are broken without them. I mean, going gold used to mean games were done and ready to be played, but now that's not really the case. Love you all, Roger. Yeah, Roger's right on. Roger's smart and he knows. Going gold doesn't mean anything anymore. It really did mean something in the sense that when the game was gold in the PS2 era, when the game was gold in the NES era, that was it. Mm-hmm. You, like the game had a game breaking bug or a flaw in it. It too was bad. too bad. Yeah. You know, um, it used to be in the old days when something went gold, we were like, oh, we're going to get it on a burn disc for the PS2 in the next week at IGN. You know what I mean? Next week and a half, we'll have burn copies of this game because they just take the file, put it onto a CD burner, give it to us. And now, yeah, it's, it's, you get games right before they come out, usually. Because yeah. there is a day one patch. There is this thing. We're and, trying to fat. And, 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 and you'll find in review guides, because when you get big games to review, you often get what it's called a review guide, which is like, here's everything you need to know about the game. Here's how to play it. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's some information about the story and the characters and the plot or whatever. And here's some things you need to know. Don't we prefer you don't talk. And there's usually a sheet that has like, don't even read this until you're done with the game. And then it's like when you review the game or talk about it, don't talk about this, this, this and this. Talk about this, this, this and this. And a lot of times in, you know, more recently in the last few years, it's like there will be a day one patch available for this game. Yep. Um, I think people, interestingly, with Halo 5 have learned their lesson with what happened with Master Chief Collection, a lot of people are not putting scores on Halo mm-hmm. um, because they are not confident that the multiplayer environment that they experience the game in uh, will be the real multiplayer environment, which is exactly what happened with Mal- uh, Master Ma- Chief Collection. Malo Haster Chief Collection. Um, Someone call a doctor! <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so it's interesting. He's right. The day one patch thing is unfortunate. I've talked to developer friends about this and they have interesting things to say about it though. And I'm trying to, I would like to get one of them on the show at some point to give, mm-hmm. give context of why this is. Yeah. Um, because there's interesting answers. It's similar to 
we think we have it all figured out, right? Even though we don't make games or whatever, at least, I mean, I've been in this industry a long time. You've been in this industry a long time. I have a pretty good idea of how things go and how things work. I've never worked on a game. I've never made a game, but I understand what goes into making games. It's very hard. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you still kind of take a step back and you're like, no excuses. Mm-hmm. Finish the game. Yeah. And it's not that easy. And it reminds me of what Aaron, um, Aaron Greenberg, when he was on the Gamescast last week, who's uh, Xbox's marketing manager, it was a great, great podcast. It gave us a lot of insight. It was a very Xbox-centric uh, podcast. And I know this is a PlayStation show, but I bring it up to uh, say that he had an, a great point about Fallout 4 and Tomb Raider coming out on the same day, which I had never thought about. And sometimes you you have to, because I had I was confident. I was like, this is all fucked up. Yeah, you, yeah. you could have done something about this. And his argument was, no, we couldn't have, because the week before is Call of Duty. The week after is Battlefront. Choose your poison. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? They weren't going to get the game done before, you know, a week or two before we could have launched. And by the time you go into December and January and February, it's just the game's done. So he's like, we chose, you know, he didn't, not an exact quote, but basically we chose our poison. Yeah. And that was great context about something I didn't understand. Sure. And so I think that there's a lot we don't understand about patching. And I'd like to get some developers on here to talk about the mentality behind going gold version 1.0 of the game and how there is no such thing as a version 1.0 of any game anymore. What? Who was the guy we were just talking about on Call of Duty Live today? That uh, Mo Yang. Mo Yang. They yeah. just delayed their game, mm-hmm. right? And they, one of the things four that, days before it's supposed to come out. And one of the things they cite though is the is patches and how complicated that mm-hmm. all is, right? Because there is approvals. You have to get it through on consoles. Somebody has to you know do it, approve it. You have to you charge money for that. So you figure, yeah, printing the discs, getting it out, doing all that stuff. If you did you know wait, put the disc out, you know whatever. You start printing the disc weeks later or whatever maybe that does screw up the timeline of oh well now we found this and we're not gonna be able to get a patch ready for day one right to hit a day one patch but there's a whole different lead up to it's i'll be the first woman it's more complicated than we often boil it down to and i often boil it down that way so i i really would to your point with mo yang to the, our, our point with whoever with with what aaron was saying and everything like there we need some more context i'd like to get that context from both sides number 11 the development of Uncharted 4 Thief's End may have been as rocky as we sometimes think it's been. Oh. In a conversation with IGN, actor Alan Tudyk, and I think that's how you say his name, is he the Tudyk or Tudyk? You know him. Firefly dude. Alan Tudyk. I'm going to say Tudyk. Who is in a series called Con Man with Nolan North, mm-hmm. who is, of course, Nathan Drake, talked about his own experience working on Uncharted 4. He says this, quote, I worked on Uncharted, the one that has not come out yet. I was doing a role on that. Really, I hadn't seen Nolan since he and I had recorded it years before. I liked it. They, um, they fired um, and then he lets out a sigh. I left, I quit, and then he laughs. So I didn't like it. I mean, I left because they decided to go a different way with it, and so when they did that, when they changed leadership, it made my contract null and void, and I was able to take that opportunity to walk away, which was great, because I got the experience of doing it. I made some friends, not with Naughty Dog, but I made some friends with the people that left. Todd Stashwick was in it, uh, was in that as well, who is in Con Man, and he did the same thing I did, which was, yeah, we're going to leave now. Y'all are making some weird changes. We're going to leave. Sorry, Nolan, we left you. We just walked away. We abandoned him, end quote. <laughs> And he's, of course, being facetious at the end. Yeah. What do you make of this? I, I, there's so much I can't wait to hear drama the surrounding Uncharted 4. Yeah. And I don't know, Greg, if it's because it is just so it's going to be so awesome, no doubt. Yeah. That And it's such a big game from a big studio, one of the great studios in, in the history of gaming, that we just pay a, a, a lot of attention to it. Or if there's really like there's something to 
There was the big. This. There was the big thing with Amy. That was the one. Th- I think you dial it back to, and then from there, that has the ripples of it, right? But Where it seems you, like it even affected like the actors. Well, sure, but I mean that that isn't surprising at all because like you know how close Todd and Amy were. Like they tweet about they tweet to each other all the time. They're at brunch. They're taking photos. Like that one was obvious, and I think he's helping out with Star Wars. Don't quote me on that, but I think right. Yeah, so there, that? yeah, so, uh, there's that some Star familiar. Wars connection yeah, between yeah, him and Amy familiar. too. And so like that goes, and then yeah, these uh, somebody like Alan who comes on who you know is friends with these different people. He's in that same boat. I'd love to know. I I'm more interested than ever in what the changes are. You know what I mean? What what was Amy's story and what is Neil and Bruce's story? Because I've been saying from the get-go, but yeah, like we're ready for Sam, you know, Troy's character, the brother, to be mm. bad, right? When is he going to double-cross Nate? When is he going to get mad at Because that was the whole, Todd's whole thing. When he, he was the voice in that trailer, he was playing the brother of Nathan Drake, and he does that, you left me in a hole to die, and da-da-da-da-da. And it's like, is that not at all what Sam's going to be anymore in Uncharted 4? Is it going to be that he is just riding along with Nate and they are brothers and they are happy go lucky. I'm mm. I can't wait to see that. If we get to the end of that game and Sam doesn't double cross Drake at some point, I'm going to be blown away. It's I don't know what else to say. There's you know, nothing. Like, I mean like we it's we need and we need to know like I say like that. Nothing. They there's a story there so deep and it probably takes many many beers and cocktails to get to to figure out what exactly happened, how many people, you know, is Justin leaving connected to that. How about all the other people who left? Was it just their time or did mm. they feel that this is no longer the project they had their hopes set on? So they're leaving and you know what I mean? Then there's the delays and this and like how much of it was great. You know what I mean? Like all you hear is chatter and chaff right now. I want to get to the wheat. What has happened? Yeah, sure enough. I wonder if we ever will. Because there's much to be said. Yeah. When NDAs are up and everyone can speak freely, it might be a long time from now. Number 12. Harmonix employees have been leaving positive reviews for Rock Band 4 on Amazon. Word comes by way of Reddit, which found at least seven Harmonix employees leaving five-star reviews for the game without noting that they actually worked on the game. Mm-hmm. Destructoid later got a statement from, our Harmo- from Harmonix admitting that this happened. Quote, Harmonix has clarified its internal policy about posting reviews of our own products on retail sites, and we've asked that existing reviews be edited to identify Harmonix employees or be removed entirely. While we believe the review po- reviews posted by a few employees were sincere and without ill intentions, as a studio, we don't believe these are appropriate actions. We appreciate the feedback from the community and take our relationship with our fans seriously, end quote. At least one employee has since gone back and updated his review to note his position with Unharmonix. I That's the only one I saw from this. I'm not going to fucking dig in and look. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's the one I saw on Destructoid. What a shady fucking move. I'm yeah. sorry. Like, I understand what Harmonix is saying. They do have to protect their people and their brand, but... That's shady, and I don't know that you can't. I don't know how you can look at that with without ill intention. I don't. I'm not saying that they're ill intention is maybe not maybe a misnomer, but nefarious is maybe the word I would use. You worked on the game. I would say tone deaf. Tone deaf. You know what I mean? That you feel like we're playing PTI now. (laughs) Yes. My my thing about it, right, is like it's the Amazon reviews, and I'm not here saying there's no sanctity to them that they're all bullshit. Da da da. I use them all the time. I use the aggregate. Yeah, me too. And I'll go and I'll read like, what is it? You read the four stars the, and the three stars. Those are the people who are like the most honest, right? Not just it was great or it's fucking garbage. But like, it's like, is that, I'm not, I, I obviously in their shoes, if I was running a company, I would be very much like, yes, don't go in the game you worked and review it. You know what I mean? That's for the consumer to do. You've left that behind when you move over here to go be part of the team to go make the game. But then in the same breath, like if they would have from the get go been like, I worked on the game. You know what I mean? It's just it's a weird it's like it's just a weird thing to add. It's like when Clements used to do reviews at IGN and then like he we we, we never had at the beginning like a real policy on how long to, do you say in the review how long you played? Where do you put all this information? Data? And Ryan would write like these comprehensive blog posts and he would link them at the end of the reviews. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was always like, it seems like is that is that like 
too much? Is that an overblown reaction to it? You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, props to you for doing it. You know, you're awesome. But I was always like, I'm really busy. I don't, I'll say it in the review and I'll answer in the comments if I need to. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, this is the same thing of like a sliding scale of like, where is the responsibility here? And like, do, do we know the roles they were? I mean, were they just like people who work at harmonics or were they like developers of the game? And these I don't know. Things? I don't know. It's a weird thing. And I mean, that's the whole and Yeah. It's it's weird all over. Should they have disclosed who they were? Of course they should. Am I looking for ethics in my Amazon reviews? Not really. I should be. Ethics in Amazon journalism? It's about ethics in Amazon journalism. Mm. Hashtag. But I mean, not really, but it's because I already don't believe that exists. There are no gatekeepers. It's like when I... No, it's like Yelp. When I go on... Yeah, when I go on Yelp and there's like five reviews, I'm like, well... I'm sure three of you work there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, can I trust you? I go for the one with a giant number that has, like, something to say. It also seems like everyone has three and a half and four stars on there. It doesn't yeah. matter. Like, yeah. Hard Water, I think, has, like, three and a half stars or four Bad stars. And I'm like, are you kidding? Yeah, the service does suck if you're not sitting at the bar. But the food. Woo! The drinks. Woo! That Pappy flight I had. Woo! On point. Don't do it! <laughs> I love how some people don't know. First of all, it's so it's funny how people, a lot of people, it's it's cute because you know a lot of people know that they know they don't know what they know. A lot of people don't know liquor, and they watch this and they watch this and they say, "Wow, look at Greg drinking out of the black label bottle, a clear liquid." I'm like, guys, that's a Scotch bottle. It wouldn't be vodka, vodka or <laughs> gin. It's clearly water. Everyone can relax. Also, Greg's an alcoholic, so call. It took me a while. And get him to Betty Ford. It took me 40, 40 minutes, I'll say, maybe even less than that, uh, of drinking out of the cup to be like, what does this cup smell like? And I was like, this cup smells like dog food. I noticed this morning that the dry dog food cup had been put, it was no longer there because it had gotten buried, so it's been in there for like a month. And then I saw it on, I saw a cup on the rack and I took that and put water and I was like, this still smells like dog food. That's fucking disgusting. Keep your dog's food out of the sink. I didn't do it. Keep your food out of the sink and your food. Keep your food out wow. of the sink. Okay. Don't do it. <laughs> Greg, you're going to die. You're number gonna number die, 13. Is it possible that, that a new, a, more powerful place that you like that? That was a great pregnant pause. A lot of people looked at their MP3 on that. Is it, if, yours, if your MP3 dies all the time, sorry about that. We don't know what that's about yet. Is it possible that a new, more powerful PlayStation 4 will eventually come out? Yes. It's inevitable. Yes, it is. A more powerful PlayStation 4 you think is inevitable? Yeah. Why would you think that? Because why wouldn't it be? When has that ever happened? Every time. Never. It's never happened. Okay, well, give me the story. DualShockers translated an interview on Japanese site 4Gamer with PlayStation Senior Vice President Masayahu Ito on if it's possible that a PS4, quote, with improved performance, end quote, may ever launch. DualShockers says, quote, Ito-san immediately clarified that he has nothing specific to announce, but that the adoption of the x86 architecture made performance improvements in due time possible. Yet Ito-san concluded, or continued, I'm sorry, the real question is whether those improvements should be made or not. With the PS3 architecture around the, and the cell, it was impossible to expand the machine beyond the capacity of the hard disk. On the other hand, with the PS4 adopting a conventional x86 architecture, it's easy to achieve flexible performance enhancements while using the same game assets. That's why providing a standard performance version of the PS4 and a high performance version of the console side by side is, according to Ito-san, an idea that might be considered. It's worth stressing on the fact that Ito-san was talking hypothetically, prompted by a specific question, so don't go taking this as confirmation of a PS4.1 is actually in the works. Every PlayStation firmware in the history of forever has system stability updates. All right, you're That's getting real. Is. That's all this is. That's only happened to three of the PS3 Vita and PS4, but but every firmware and PSP. 
A lot of firmware is used. This is really interesting because I've talked about this with you in the past that I was surprised Nintendo 64 was on to something, I think, with the expansion pack. I think they were. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's an ideal situation because you needed the expansion pack to play Majora's Mask. Sure. This isn't talking about that, at least from what I can tell. This is saying that you will be able to play any PS4 game on either of the consoles, but that using the same assets, but that it will look better or run better or run quicker or smoother on an enhanced PS4, PS4.1 as they call it. And that's never happened. And I think that that's a really interesting idea. And when we, when PS4 came, when PS4 was announced and stuff, I did not being a very technical person still was a little bit confused that there's no expansion possibilities on the console itself, that there's no way to put in more like something very consumer friendly that you're not opening this machine, but sure, something sure, you sure. shove into the PS4 that gives it more Ram or whatever. And I was shocked by that because I was like, that's an a, a good way to make money. And it also future proofs your console. But what they're saying is that hypothetically, according to Ido-san, this might be a thing that they can do now. The cell is was this, was this locked, closed thing, and the, and the x86 architecture can be scaled. And so, like much like a PC, we'll be able to play Fallout 4 at the minimum levels and the Fallout 4 at the maximum levels. But it's the same game. Yeah. With the same assets, running the same disk, all that kind of stuff, running the same data. I think it's a fascinating idea. I don't think idea. I think it would be an interesting thing to pull out of your hat in, like, 2019. 2018, maybe. Sure. But I mean, by then, aren't we already starting to look to PS5? We're already starting to think about the next thing. It's like it, it, at the end of the life cycle, if they would have put out a PS3.1 that was like, it runs your PS3 games better and da 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 da, I'd be like, cool, but I know you're about to put out a new console that, that I won't be able to play those games on this thing, and I don't care what you know this looks like. I think the argument might be that the scaling will allow this to happen easier and that there might not be... I mean, there's. I don't want to say there's nowhere to go from here. There's definitely... I mean, look at a PC game. They're way prettier than PS4 games. Yeah. But there might not be any realistic way for them to go uh, to the new console. In other words, not, there might not be the development imperative that we've heard a lot about, about how developers really needed these new consoles. They needed them more than we needed them in a way because they, their, the vision for their games, these huge open-world games, just weren't working, for yeah. instance, on PS3, yeah. as we saw with uh, Skyrim. And... It's so it's it's interesting to think about a, a future in which Sony is not interested in actually putting any more money back into a PS5 yet, and in 2018, 2019, they're like the PS4.1 or whatever they would call it would be would you can don't have to buy it. All the games coming out will work on your PS4. They're just going to look way better, and that is the incremental jump. And then so you have this ability to scale. It's almost like a half step. Yeah, I actually think it's quite clever. It's interesting, but you know what? It also it gets Colin as it gets complicated. Right now, consoles are, you know, our choice because they're easy. You know what I mean? When you start complicating the message, you get to Steambox territory, right? Where what? Which one am I buying? Why isn't there just one? Wait, it's the Wii U, so it's just the Wii? So is it different? You know what I mean? Mm. Like, Yeah, that's fair enough. I still think that if you could just put the disc into both systems and not have to do anything, there's no sliders, nothing sure. like that. It's just this one runs this. Your, your loading times are 15% better. Your game is sharper looking. The internet works a little bit better, like all that kind of stuff. And you just don't do anything. Yeah. Might be easy enough. But I agree. It could be complicated. Number 14 was what you already ruined. Happy 15th birthday in America. PlayStation 2 on October 26, 2000, 15 years ago to the day this podcast is being recorded. PS2 launched in the United States and what a glorious day it was. And we talked about it on Colin and Gray Live today. I remember it very well. You remember it very well. We both got it the day it came about, out. Oh, yes. And uh, I can't, I, I like it makes me a little, it makes me a little sad almost like that was 15 years ago i was thinking about it today when we, we were done with conor live and i was tweeting about uh doing i'm gonna stream wwe tonight right or whatever and it's like 15 years ago 
I was in high school and I just brought this thing home and now like our jobs are all this, mm. all wrapped up in that. You know what I mean? Even when I wanted to write about games, I didn't expect it to be like this. It's weird. It's what's weird too is that what has happened in PlayStation since since then. We've had PSP and PS3 and PS Vita and PS4 all in that 15 year cycle since PS2 came out. Not to mention PS2 dominated most of the, the half of that time between yeah. then and now. Uh, I've said in the past, and we can talk more about it later in another podcast or whatever. Um, PS2, my least favorite piece of PlayStation mm-hmm. hardware. Um, Wait, I is think that because f- you like the other ones so much? Or I loved GameCube. Uh, Xbox was fun. Um, I-, I thought you were talking about I'm, contemporaries. I'm talking about in, oh, in, in, terms, in the terms of I'm, PlayStation hierarchy. You're oh, saying okay. it's your least favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you were but talking about contemporaries. Does that mean you, you dislike the PS2? No, 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 okay. no, no, no. No, they're all great. That's what I thought. The, I think the PS2, in my opinion... And I know a lot of people really love the PS2, and I think a lot of people really love the PS2, frankly, because we have a an eight, we have a, a a big group of people aged to have played that console, like sure. we played the NES or the SNES, which is you know the NES is always going to be my favorite console. So it's, and I know a lot of that is nostalgia. There's no doubt, but it is, and I think people feel that way about PS2. I think PS2 has the weakest library of all of the PlayStation consoles. PS4 has not been written yet. That's why I I don't write it off. Yeah, yeah. I think even for me, Vita's lineup having PS1 classics and then the PSP catalog and then and then Vita games is an awesome thing. So I I think that that you think that's a better library. Yeah, right in my PS2. opinion, you know, that's true. Uh, PS2. I suffered during the PS2 era a lot because the JRPGs that I really liked playing on the PS1 era and the PS1 had the best role playing games library pound for pound of anyone. I know mm-hmm. a lot of people think SNES is better. I don't agree. Um, PS2 started to really fuck with a lot of things final fantasy 10 is a good example that really turned me off from final fantasy things started kind of getting more action rpg that's not, not to say i don't like action rpgs but then um, what you were looking for it, well, yeah exactly like i love brave fencer musashi on ps1 and stuff like that so it's it's you know an alundra and you know these action rpgs so it's not to say i don't like those kinds of games but it wasn't exactly what i was looking for what i started getting in the ps2 era that i really liked was games like animusha these pre-rendered backgrounds and these 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 beautiful kind of creepy games but to the point I was trying to make before with GameCube and Xbox, because I thought that's what you're talking about in terms of its contemporaries. Mm. I was quite sucked into the GameCube you library at that GameCube. time. Yeah, I know. And, um, you know, I got GameCube a year later when it came out uh, in 2001. And then I got my Xbox in 2003 when KOTOR came out. And Xbox, by the time I got to college, was the console I was playing the most, which I know would surprise a lot of people. I played Rainbow Six Three until my fucking eyes bled. So that might be my most played game of that generation by mile. Mm, interesting. Um, I actually just adored that game. Um, so PS2 to me... I just think a lot of it comes down to the fact that I wasn't focused on PS2. Um, things came and went that I didn't play. I played as much as I could. Um, and of course, great games came out on the console, like the Grand Theft Auto games, Manhunt, um, you know, uh, et cetera, and so on. Um, like these great, you know, Rockstar games, especially. But I just, uh, I don't know. That's I just don't like the yeah. PS2 that much compared I, to I, PS1. I wonder or if PS3. it is, yeah, that you just didn't get dropped into it as much. You know what I mean? Because, like, for me, like, I would say probably what, like, it's got to be up there for me, but it was a coming of age thing. You know what I mean? Like I was talking about today, you know, you know, 15 years ago today was the first, this is the first big purchase I ever made on my own. You know what I mean? I worked, I had a summer job for it. I saved up, I bought DVDs ahead of time and shit like that. But like, you know, PS one, I bought way super, super late. Like I was, you know, just an N64 person. And then at the very end when the N64 was like dead, I traded it in, bought a PS one, bought some games with it, played, had a great time. But that was like, I would say, maybe a year and a half, maybe a year before the PS2 was coming out. And that really is what like lit the fire. Like, oh, I'm, this PlayStation people, they know what they got going. They, they got some good stuff. And so PS2 is the one where I bought, and that was my system. And I went to college, you know, in that same year. So I bought it, you know, 2000, graduated, no one went to Mizzou. And that you came there, and that still, 
it was rare to find people with PS2s. So like I had people over all the time. We were playing Grand Theft Auto and tossing the controller around, Metal Gear, all these different things. And I think for me, it's that library speaks to me because it had so many games that I loved, right? With Metal Gear, with like you're saying, with all the Rockstar mm-hmm. stuff, wrestling. I mean, when fucking SmackDown Just Bring It came out, like our college dorm room floor, that's all we played. And like that was such a huge deal. And it goes on. I mean, God of War, all these other, you know, Twisted Metal. There's sure. so many things. I hear you. I understand. But it's probably the same reason that I don't have much love for PS1. Just in the fact of like I had it and I played Metal Gear on it and I played other stuff. You know what I mean? Like yeah, PS1 like, yeah. to me is a very, very, very special console. You know, up there, you know, NES, SNES, PS1, PS3 are probably like the pantheon of, of, of you know, I think PS3 is like extraordinarily good too. Criminally underrated console that people finally came around to when it was a little late. We don't mm. really need you anymore. Where now, were you? Now where were you Johnny when come lately? Where were you when Hayes came out? Where were you when Super Rubba Dub was the thing to play? Sir. When you're trying to convince yourself you didn't need Rumble, <laughs> you loved Six Access. I'll never. For, I, I've told this before, but I'll just never forget those those early controllers, how bad they were, and uh, how I just destroyed this, a controller. Is this, what is this? Is this just a shell? Is there anything inside it? I like, when I was playing Heavenly Sword at IGN, I destroyed a PS a, a Six Axis controller yeah. by like I died or something, and I just slammed my controller, and it was done. It was done. Good times. Fifteen, and finally, some new game announcements, release dates, and more. As we always end. The Ropers report with multiplayer physics based tower building game. Tricky Towers will be coming to PlayStation 4. Our friend Mike Bithel's game, as we mentioned, volume is coming to PlayStation VR in the form of an expansion called Coda. We don't know what the nature of that is. It still waiting for the Vita version. I wrote in all capital letters. Still waiting. Still waiting. You know for who the else Vita we've version. been letting off the hook? I, I was thinking about today in the shower. Super giant. Where the fuck is Bastion on Vita? Getting tired of these fucking clowns. <laughs> Side scro- Those clowns, Greg Savin and Mike Bithel. <laughs> Side scroller Super Rude Bear is coming to PlayStation 4. Music game Super Beat Zonic is coming to Vita on November 10th. Helldiver's new expansion, Democracy Strikes Back, is now live. Game of Thrones Episode 6, The Ice Dragon, is launching on November 17th on PS3 and PS4. God, that still hasn't ended. And publisher Idea Factory revealed that Mega Dimension Neptunia 7 on PS4 and Trillion God of Destruction on Vita, along with an unannounced game, will be at PSX. Um, so that's basically all the news for this episode. Nice. Now, Colin, mm. we've been doing this episode. Mm-hmm. It's the pre-Paris Games Week episode. Mm-hmm. We're trying to catch you up on everything that's happening before we Paris jump into Games that. Week. Very excited. I'm excited. Shuhei. Me too. I'm very excited. Now, about do you think it's going to pay off or do you think we're going to be let down? I think it's going to pay off. Okay. Shuhei told us on episode two of PS I Love You XOXO that treat it like it's a Gamescom press conference. So the Gamescom press conferences are good. A lot of games are announced at those. Okay. Okay. Good point. Good I, point. I think Quantic, you know, we'll know. People are not going to be able to listen to this until after it already happened, but Quantic Dreams game's got to be there, right? You have to assume you hope it's so. got to be You hope it's there. there. It's got to be there. Yeah. And then the what a box. lost opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they've been quiet for a long time. Yeah. Uh, but. Before we look to the future in Paris Games Week, let's look to the present. If I wanted to know what came out this week to the mom and grop shops, where do I go? The upcoming list of uh, PlayStation 3, PlayStation 4, PlayStation Vita, and PSP you're, software. Wow, wow. At first I thought you were just fucking up the title, but you're telling me that's the kind of games we got this week. Coming to PlayStation consoles by whoever the hell. Kind of puts co- funny co-founders. Yeah. <gasps> The following games will be available on, well, you'll find out on digital services at least. Number one, Alien Isolation, the collection, comes to PS4 digitally. It says, contains the full game and seven packs of additional content. Discover the true meaning of fear in Alien Isolation, a survival horror set in an atmosphere of constant dread and mortal danger. You going to play it? Uh, I'd like to. I'd like to. That's one of the games that I'd like to play, but I don't. You don't you know, think it'll actually happen? I, don't yeah, I hear you on that one. Arcade Archives Ninja Kid 2. Ninja Kid has a hyphen in between it, by the way. 
Okay. PS4 Digital. Ninja Kid 2 is an action game that was released by UPL in 1987. Ninja has new actions and weapons and plans to overthrow Ashura. Expect lots of excitement and the thrill of even harder challenges. Good. All right, good. I like harder challenges. Darksiders 2 the Definitive Edition. This oh. comes out retail and digitally on the 30th, so this is a Friday release. Another one of these Friday releases. Become the terrifying force which everything fears but nothing can escape. Awakened by the end of days, Death, the most feared of the legendary four horsemen, embarks on a quest to redeem his brother's name. I always thought the most fearsome four horsemen member was Ric Flair. That's enough. Divinity Original Sin Enhanced Edition comes to PS4 digitally and at retail. Released to overwhelming critical acclaim, Larian Studios RPG Divinity Original Sin returns with a host of new and enhanced content. The cooperative adventure receives a console makeover with a new intuitive UI and dynamic split screen for co-op, as well as plethora of new content quests, combat styles, locations, and more. Mega Coin Squad comes to PS4 digitally. Brought to you by Big Pixel Studios and Adult Swim Games, Mega Coin Squad features fast-paced and explosive on-the-couch combat. Take on your friends in one-to-four-player matches spanning multiple worlds and game modes. I'm interested in this one because it says take on your friends in one-to-four-player matches. Well, I'm not going to be taking on my friends if I'm playing one-to-four. Well, no, you might be. Two-to-four. Because you got no friends. That's true. I don't have any friends. And women hate me. Minecraft Story Mode Season Pass Disc PS4 and PS3 Retail Only. As Jesse, you'll embark on a perilous adventure across the overworld through the nether to the end and beyond. You and your friends revere the legendary Order of the Stone, warrior, redstone, engineer, griefer, architect, slayers of the Ender Dragon. That's just a series of nouns. And I don't it made sense to me. No, I, don't, I don't think that means anything. I know Minecraft. MX vs. ATV Supercross Encore comes to PS4 digital and retail. This shit still happen, huh? I guess so. Rip, jump, and scrub your way to victory across the more than, or I'm, I'm sorry, across more than 35 tracks in this vastly extended version. Only the Encore Edition features the brand new Rhythm Racing Mode, extra outdoor nationals tracks, and exclusive waypoint races in open world maps. Mm. I have a good feeling about this one. Okay. River City Super Sports Challenge All-Star Special comes to PS3 digitally on the 28th. Okay. So that's a Wednesday release. Ryo High School Student Council President Toto arranges an athletic meetup to make up for the trouble caused by the ex-student council president, Yamada. But in reality, it is intended to show off the power of Reho High School. <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> Reho's High School Student Council President Toto arranges an athletic meetup to make up for the trouble caused by the ex-student council president, Yamada. But in reality, is it, in- it is intended to show off the power of Reho High School. He's got to just show the dominance of Reho High School, man. I feel I understand. Tecmo's Deception Invitation to Darkness, a PS1 classic available digitally. Okay. Making a deal with Satan at the moment of your death, you'll be given command. You're given command of the Castle of the Damned and must steal the souls of invaders to resurrect him. Trails in the Sky second chapter comes to PSP digitally on the 29th. So this is a Thursday release. And it'll be playable on Vita. Okay. But no, no trophies. trophies. There's no write up for it. All I know is that this was this was a, there's a story behind this port. Uh, Jason Schreier was saying that there was like a lot of drama to get this port out. Okay. And he's writing about it and we'll find oh, out good. soon. Look for a scene from Kitaki. Finally, WWE 2K16 comes to PS4 and PS3 digitally and at retail. Get in the ring and race some hell with WWE 2K16. The undisputed champion of wrestling games returns with the biggest roster in WWE games history. And yeah, that's well, Let's play up on YouTube.com slash kind of funny games. Go watch it there. Or go watch my Twitch archive. Unless I died during the second half of the show. And didn't stream it at night because I'm dead. 
Then you can just watch the Let's Play. That's it. Okay. Colin, are you ready for Tots? Topic of the show. Tots. 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 We've been bringing some heady issues to the table mm, recently. Mm. Over at kindoffunny.com slash PSQ where you can leave your questions. The informationist left a question for us that I think we could expand on. And then we'll get to the rest of the reader mail and everything else. But I thought this was a good one. And I like, I like, the, I like the idea of talking this out. Okay. Because I don't want you just... You, you can give me your knee jerk, but I think a case can be made. Which is the better game? The Last of Us or Red Dead Redemption? I think... That's it? Yeah. I'm sorry, that's it? I'm that's on the microphone. That's it. Which is the better game? Yeah. The Last of Us? Mm-hmm. Or Red Dead Redemption? Mm-hmm. And the answer is obviously The Last of Us. Yeah, I agree. Hands down. Red Dead's a great game, though. Right. See, and that's the thing. is why I did, I did the same thing you did. I read this question. I was like, Last of Us. And then I thought about it more in terms of games and what's happening. Mm-hmm. And, how, and, I, and I thought there was a case to be made for Red Dead, even though I won't vote for it. And I wanted your opinion on it. We'll make the case. The case, of course, is that Red Dead's awesome, as we just said. Right. The mechanics are great. They are. You have so much to do in it. The open world, wandering around, you know what I mean? It's not, it's interesting comparing it to The Last of Us, right? And the fact that Last of Us is linear narrative. This is where we're going. This is what we're doing, right? Mm. Whereas Red Dead is, there's a narrative there. And whereas in GTA, right, I always feel like the narrative of GTA and the openness of GTA sometimes you know, they're a conflict, right? Of like, they, they jerk. They're, no, they're, I, oh, they're I, I punched a table over the weekend in Nashville. So I can't, I didn't mm. want to grind. Oh, they're like this. They're, con- they're conflicting. Okay. They're rubbing okay. up against each other. Okay. I thought they were going like this. No, they're not jerking each other off. Okay. GTA and that there's so much going on. There's something every few feet. So you're like, uh, sure. I want to go off and save Michael's daughter or whatever, but man, I just ran this guy over and now there's something to, you know what I mean? Like there's so much and in such a tight space that I feel like the story and the openness get in the way. Whereas with red dead, the story is, you know, this is this old west thing. You've got to go across the map to go do this. And as you go across this desert and there's all this open space and you get lost in what you're doing. And so then if you do see a random thing off to the side, it's more realistic, I feel like, at least. And, okay, that might actually distract me to go do it. It's not goofy. It's not crazy. It's not over the top. It's not oversaturated, you know, sensory overload as I go, whereas I felt in GTA 5 sometimes, trying to get from what mission, which mission do I do, how does this all play together? Mm. Red Dead's story of being John Marston, right, and trying to make good and trying to get back to your family by doing all these little things, I felt like worked out well. So, like, I enjoyed exploring the world. I enjoyed some days where I would turn it on and just go out and hunt, look for some pelts. But I enjoy the other days where I'm like, I'm going to try to get these things done. Or I think I'm going to do one thing and then I have to deviate from it to go off to the other thing. Whereas GTA, I felt like, well, am I making progress or am I not making progress? How does this work? And it was breaking the experience for me a little bit in terms of that. And then, of course, Red Dead's multiplayer is also excellent. It gets thrown, not talked about because neither of us are multiplayer guys. But I remember a whole bunch of our friends, Baradon and Tyroot and all them, would play it every night. Get together on the horses, go out and mm-hmm. do their little things and have fun. So... In terms of that, it's we're not comparing apples to apples. And I granted, they're both games. And I think for me, the problem with Red Dead is always Mexico, right? Did you? Did well, you're you, a racist, so of course. Right. But I think Mexico is like the chapters where you're like, oof, like this. I've been, what is going on? Where are we going? That's when you lose the narrative mm-hmm. again in a little bit. You know what I mean? You never lose the narrative in the Last of Us because it is so simple. This protect this girl, get her to the point. That's the end of the game. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that. I haven't played Red Dead in a long time, but I think that the things that Red Dead does really well are things that The Last of Us does better. Mm. Um, so the environment, right? The, the, 
Red Dead is an open world. It's a Rockstar game. It's an open world game. Yeah. And it looks beautiful and it's fun to explore and stuff. But the, the aesthetic of the of, uh, and it kind of the allure of Red Dead 2 was just the na- it wasn't that it was open world. It was the nature of the open world. It was it was interesting and diverse and, sure. and, and fun to be in um, and harrowing to be in. And I think that the harrowing nature of The Last of Us, even though it is a linear game with no open world uh, component to it at all, um, is even better at that. So like when you compare environments, I think The Last of Us wins. I think the characters uh john marston's a great character it's a gr- he's a great character and there's a lot of really fantastic uh surrounding uh cast yeah. in that game as well and i also think that it ends on a really sad note which so does the last, last of us. us um but i think the last of us's characters are better so and i i think the gameplay in the last of us is a little underrated i understand that there's some wonkiness with cover, I understand that Ellie is a little immersion. Bra- she's a, she breaks the immersion because she runs in front of people and stuff like that. But as we've talked about in the past, do you want do you want to just have this twenty minute plan you've been right, conducting right, right, blown right, up because blown you cannot control AI. this AI character? Yeah. Like you have to kind of get over that. That's a design. That's an intentional design thing, and I think sure. that they they made the right choice on that. I think the combat in 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 um, Red Dead was a huge step in the right direction from Grand Theft Auto Four, which is really rough to play mm-hmm. when you're not in a car. Um, and then they perfected that even more with Grand Theft Auto Five, but I think the gameplay is better than The Last of Us. Mm. So I think just because The Last of Us is better than a game, and The Last of Us is better than almost any game, doesn't mean that other great games aren't great too. Sure. I think that the Red Dead's a fantastic game, and I am excited to see the sequel. Where really it's the third game in the series, Red Dead Revolver being the first one. But and, and I'll play it and I'm sure it's going to be great. I'm sure they're working on it down probably in San Diego. Of course, they better be. God damn it. Everybody um, wants another one. But I, I, I don't think it, ha- it holds a candle to The Last of Us in terms of what The Last of Us does best. Mm. But they're different games. And see, that's the problem because I got the environments. Sure. I think the environments are more interesting than The Last of Us. But I think that's kind of like can we can it's open world, right? Like that's the yeah, problem. It's different. Like, it's dude, very exactly. Different. There's so many different things happening there. The th- I mean, I guess the one thing the Red Dead has going for it a little bit is the fact that as John Marston, I and this is one of those things I, of course, I, don't, I think I can get through without spoiling the end of The Last of Us, right? That I found to be the craziest. The ending of The Last of Us, right? I always talk about the fact that like I'm waiting for the button, to, button prompts to pop up, right? Of like for me to make my choice, and that, and it turns out I can't. I'm playing Neil and Bruce's story. This is what they're telling me something. You know what I mean? There's no at the end. Now the the path splits and you get to choose what you want to do, right? Mm-hmm. So like you're on this ride of what's going to happen and who Joel and Ellie are. That's a story they're telling you. Whereas with like I always talk about it with uh Red Dead. There's this one moment where you're running uh I don't know if you did the side mission where you're running the mission where you're you have to, this guy's asking you for flowers for his wife or whatever. You know what I mean? He's he's in love with his wife. You ran into him. It's just a stupid side quest. You eventually get him give him to and he's like oh thanks and you like walk into his house and he gives him to him and he has a mummified corpse of his wife there and he puts him down he's just like completely bonkers right and he's just like and it's like it's not scary and it's not funny it's sad you know what i mean at least for me this is all me reading into the situation right so i go in there he talks to her he thanks me i get the money or the xp or whatever the hell you get for i don't even remember in red dead missions anymore probably both those things uh and i'm like all right great and i walked back out and I'll never forget this. I walked back out and then I spun the camera and like it was like, you know, beautiful and sunny and like you can hear the birds flying and stuff. And I just went and I brought up my wheel and I put on my little bandana and I walked back in the house and I blew the guy away. And it wasn't it wasn't the GTA. I'm going to shoot this guy and see what happens. Da, da, da. This was like a mercy kill of like this guy is 
done. You know what I mean? Like I have to put this guy down. He's gone. And that mo- that is one of those moments that's always stuck with me. And it didn't. St- it's not st- sticking with me because I was told it right. Like that was me in the open world, make my own consequences. I put on the the bandana if you don't remember, so that I don't get notorious points or whatever. I don't go in the bad section. I w- I wanted to keep being a good guy. But you have that you know those gray areas to play in. And for me, like that's important in that kind of game i'm not saying i missed that in the last of us right i always talk about that i love the fact that when i got to that precipice where it's like oh and here comes my choice i didn't get it i like that but that's something special that red dead gets to do that you know like we're talking about what walking the differences and what they can and can't do right that the last of us can't do yeah i think what i think you bring up about red dead just generally which i think is interesting is that it's just it's just a great game Mm -hmm. you know uh, that's a game i would love for them to re-release I'm surprised they haven't. Yeah. Um, but well, it's, G- it's, it's GTA. It's Rockstar. Yeah. And they don't have the, there's no financial imperative for them to do yeah. it. Certainly the game sold really well and, and uh, the studio's heads down. And I also think if they release it now, it just, it, 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 it um, eats into getting ready for the next Red Dead. Yeah. And it also like tips their hand a little bit. Right. Um, See, I'm, ex- I'm excited for a new Red Dead and the same reason I'm excited for the new Fallout, right? Of just going out there, making my choices. What am I going to find out in this place? You know what I mean? And not that I wasn't excited for that, but. I, there's a difference between, I think, for me at least, right, discovery versus exploring, where I'm discovering all the stuff in the open world and quests and locations. And Last of Us, it was like, I'm, I, what, what is happening with this Ishmael story? You know what I mean? I'm going to explore every corner. I'm going to get every bandage. I'm going to get every bottle and rag and everything else I need to make this awesome thing. Yeah. Well, Last of Us is great, too. Last of Us is amazing. Um, just two great games. Recommend yeah. them both. I don't know that you, yeah, you're right in the sense that it's hard to compare and contrast them, but. I think The Last of Us wins. I agree. And that's the whole thing. Is But it's like, for me, it was that thing of like, pfft, and I'm like, wait, well, yeah, no, that's it's, very, it's, very a, it's a conversation worth having. Yeah. They're very thought provoking. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thank you. The Informationist. I always think I'm going to screw that name up because it's, it's a weird name. It is a weird name. It is a weird name. Call us through reader mail. Okay. Mail uh, call. Maelstrom. Mail pattern baldness. <sighs> mail <you>? order bride. <laughs> <laughs> mailman uh, I'm going to give you choices okay. of course ladies and gentlemen we need you to be part of the show go to kindoffunny.com slash PSQ leave your questions comments and concerns so here comes some of your choices alright mm. Pod- I, I, I'm going to do that one because I know you won't pick it so I'll get to that one later we'll do it now okay fine do it now first question comes from Perduki or Perducci maybe Perduki per- no it's Ducci right Ducci Perducci yeah Perducci, Perducci says I usually try to immerse myself in the game I'm currently playing, but there are some games that I've found can be enjoyed while listening to your podcast. Recent games like Rogue Legacy, Xenodrifter, and Destiny have provided me with plenty of time to combine gaming with the podcast time. Are there any games that you like to play while listening to a show or podcast or give you a chance to talk on the phone, chat with uh, your friends or parents or so on and such? This is Purdue Jesus. P.S. I love you, even though I graduated from Kansas and Greg likely hates me. I don't hate you. I'm just sorry for the life choices He's disappointed you were forced in to you. make. I'm disappointed in you, and I hope that like the kid you and your sister had turned out okay. Um, so now you don't listen to podcasts, period. Really? No, I listen to a lot of music. But I don't listen to podcasts. But do you? So then, let's start there. Do you ever listen? Do you ever put on music when you're listening? Oh to yeah, them? a lot. Okay. Um, I think it. I mean, what came to mind for me immediately, and I think a lot of JRPG fans. Excuse me, I have a hiccups. I'm burping. I'm just burping. A hiccup and a burp, yeah. It's awful. Awful thing. That burrito's coming back to get you. Um, I'm glad we got him, though. Me too. Pound it out. Pa- oh, we will. We're going to pound it there, and I'm going to pound you later. Uh, 
JRPG fans can relate to the grind, and and um, oh, yeah. so during story missions where I'm in a dungeon the first time, or you know, in a town, or talking to people, I'll obviously not I'll be listening. But when I'm spending two or three hours because I need X amount of money, or I need to I want to level up my characters to a certain level, or whatever, that's like mind numbing shit. Yeah, and um, that's when I listen to. So is the I'll, I'll listen to politics, or yeah, I'll listen to music, or I'll listen to a political show. Or, yeah, yeah. Because um, I guess it's it's a little disingenuous for me to say I don't listen to pod a podcast. I don't. Mm-hmm. But I do listen to PTI and Around the Horn on iTunes like almost sure. every day. And those are shows comp- encapsulated in a podcast form. And I do listen to a shit ton of political stuff, usually with like real uh, real clear politics or mediaite or something like that, where um, they have, you know, they're like, here's all the shit people said today in video format, like three, four or five minute clips, like yeah. 10 of them. I, I, I watch those like every day. So yeah. I am consuming that sort of media. I just don't go and um, seek out like a. You know anything? I'd rather sure. read um, than listen to podcasts. I mean, for me, I when I this question popped up and I read it, I immediately jumped back to if you remember when I like first when I, not when I first moved in, but when you're still doing Washington's Beard, right? Mm-hmm. You guys would do Washington's Beard, and I would come out and be in the middle of. Uh, I remember grinding out in Skyrim to do the exploit to get my stealth up, and then fucking Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning out there playing that nonstop. And that story was just such nonsense that I had it on mute, and I would listen to you guys' podcasts. But then I would be listening to This American Life. Uh, now nowadays, when I do like when I do DC Universe stuff or something, for me it's the giant like you're talking about. It's grindy stuff. It's the giant open world RPG somehow, you know. And that's what Fallout. I'm super stoked about it again, where it's eventually going to get down to cross the wasteland and kill this guy and bring me back these things. You know, like, okay, cool. And I'm going to put on death, sex and money. I'm going to put on American life. I'm going to put on, you know I mean? I'm going to play all these shows that I love and the moth and really haven't listened to a lot lately. Cause I've been playing so many games that are I like metal gear. Like, right. I need to hear, I, or at least I want to hear where people are going to be and what's happening and be like, aware of my surroundings. Whereas in those games, fallout and stuff, I'm just gonna be able to roam around and kill everything and do whatever the hell I want. Oh my God. I can't wait. Just gonna get lost I can't wait. Yeah, I, I can't. I'm, I've been looking at PSN profiles and exophase every day, waiting for the trophies to pop. Yeah. Um. Oh, I can't. I can't. I can't wait. Yeah. It's gonna be great. I just can't wait. I don't know what else to say about that. All right, now you get your picks. You ready? Okay. Rewards for earning platinum trophies, Vita memory cards, or tails. Vita memory cards. Apology writes in and says, "Hi guys. Hello. Do you think they will ever make 128 gigabytes or more Vita memory card? No. Ever bring the 64 gigabyte officially to the North America at a lower price, I hope? Or should I just stop waiting, bite the bullet, and import? XOXO, apology. I'm a little surprised that the 64 gig hasn't come out here yet. You could import it. I'm not sure that they have any intentions of bringing that over. I don't think, I don't think either of those things are going to happen. Yeah, I definitely don't think there's going to be a 128 gigabyte yeah, no way. card. Can't, they probably charge $8,000 worth. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, I... Paul, she sends a lot of questions in, though, so I feel bad that the other two were cut off. So let's let's talk about Tails real quick, especially because you're a Tails expert as well. Ah, yes, I am. Thank you very much. Um, I have good news. This is the Daily Double. Is it him, too? No. Oh, I was going to no, say. No, no, no. Oh, it's two Tails questions. There's two Tails questions here. Spectex says, hey, Colin and Greg. My question kind of goes along with Colin's future thoughts on Tales of Hysteria. How similar do you think the stories in Tales games are? When... This point was brought up in the past. I started thinking about it more, and I kind of find it true. He, so he's asking you how similar are the stories. They're pretty similar. Yeah. The I mean, JRPG tropes are almost unescapable in Japanese role playing games. So you're gonna have the hero, and you know, like a, a very archetypical story. For instance, the the young man, maybe he has amnesia. Yeah, of course, he has amnesia. He meets a cute girl who can actually hold her own. She's from a village. Maybe the village needs help. Then. The apocalypse is coming and you have to save everyone else and, all, and suddenly you you meet a mysterious man and a 
Is he your friend cute. or foe? Yeah, and like he joins your party yep. eventually, and like <laughs> Vincent in Final Fantasy VII. Um, so yeah, I mean, Tales games are all made by the same people, so I think that there's just a lot of inspiration for them. I'd like for some of the games to be different. I think that Exilia's story in particular was a little bit different. Um, and the fact that you had like two different playable characters I thought was pretty cool with like two different arcs through the game. Um, but that was probably hard, and they didn't do that again. Zysteria is a different kind of game because it's it's very open, very open world game <laughs> compared to other tales games have always been non-linear but they've not often introduced like a vast world map as opposed to uh, uh, um, dungeons that all connect to each other so like an outdoor area connects to the town the town splits into two paths and one goes to another outdoor area another one goes to a cave and stuff like that that's not the way it is anymore in Zysteria so I think that it was more the format of the game that they changed up than the story but to answer the question for people that have not played them because I get this question a lot the tales games are not interconnected um, right, you story-wise. can jump so you can in, jump in you any to, one right? of them as long as you're not playing a, C- a direct sequel, a Tales of Destiny two or Exilia two. I mean, you're you're going to be fine. Those those games are connected, obviously. Okay, and then your daily double. Your next piece of tales comes from Nixon's paranoia. Hey guys, first loving this podcast so far. My question is more for Colin. I know you're a huge fan of Tales games. Well, not as big as Greg. I know I'm the Tales expert. First, what is your favorite Tales game? Destiny. Why? What was my first one? But I also think the. Um, it was still when it had that cute chibi style. It was more focused on gameplay, the arts, I think, and the um, that kind of you know one of the hallmarks of the Tales series is the fighting mechanics. Um, and I think that it was pretty pure at that point. Still, I think it got a little complicated later on when we entered a 3D kind of field. I think the characters are the best. I love Stan. I think he's a great character. Um, the music's fantastic. I think it's a fucking super moody game. Um, Tales of Destiny is like by far my favorite. Yeah. Okay. And so that's also like one of my favorite games of all time. Really? Yeah. I know. Nixon's paranoia continues and says, my favorite is Vesperia, which unfortunately was never localized for the West for PS3. Yeah, that was weird that they did that. Do you think that there's any chance of a PS4 remaster of that game since Bandai Namco has been releasing or re- no, he says releasing previous Tales games on new systems lately? Symphonia PS3, PC, Abyss 3DS, etc. PS, I kind of heart you, XOXO. It's possible. I was surprised if Vesperia never saw the light of day out here. Uh, uh it was on Xbox 360, which was weird. And that was a, a, another one of Microsoft's moves to try to get people to buy an Xbox 360 in Japan. Yeah. It, it failed so badly over there, presumably that they actually did port it to PS3. Um, but uh, I w- would I be surprised if they did that? N- yes and no. I, I, I'm surprised that they haven't gone back even to Symphonia and Destiny and Legendia and all of those and just put them on a disc and released them um, with trophies. But uh, it might not be worth their while to do that. Vesperia is a, is a huge gaping hole, though, in a lot of people's... Um, Tales arc because of the weirdness of the consoles it was on. <clears throat> Gray Fox wrote in kindoffunny.com slash PSQ. That's right. Go to that link. Go to our forums. Register and leave us questions for the show. And Gray Fox says, Greetings, Colin and Greg. Hello. I like to think of Bethesda as the kind of funny of game developers. They produce amazing content and subscribe to the garbage truck on fire business model. I love their games, but they are buggy as shit, especially on consoles. Do you think Fallout 4 will continue this trend? And do you think it's fair that Bethesda gets so much of a free pass as it does? P.S. I love Pertillo's. You guys are all right, I guess. I don't think they get a free pass. I think that they, and I don't know if you agree, but I I believe that their free pass went out the window with Skyrim on PS3 especially. Um, And do I think that their game, so there's multiple questions here. Will Fallout 4 be as buggy as old Fallout games? No. No. Um, It won't. Uh, will it be buggy? Yes. Will there be weird things involved in it? Yes. Do I think that they get a free pass? No. Do I think their games are way more complicated than most games? Yes. And I think that's where the free pass mentality comes in. You only have to look at the bug reports of New Vegas and Fallout 3 to see how completely mundane some of the fucking things are that are broken and like how would you ever know? Yeah. When you have all of these 
interconnected things happening. Like literally leaving a door open somewhere can break your game. Like you fall, know, or for Skyrim. Yeah, exactly. Um, you have, the QA test, like what I'm really impressed with with Fallout 4, Greg, is the game, as I predicted, was in development for a long time and it was ready. It was going to be ready this year. And we, we talked about that and you know, Colin was right and all that. But that's not the point. The point is, is that what I'm impressed with is that the game was feature complete by the time they announced it. Pretty much it was done and they've been polishing and all that kind of stuff, which was another prediction of mine. I was like, the game is probably done. Yeah. They had people in Bethesda presumably QAing that game for a long time. And so the first thing I'm impressed with is that people were playing this game and never said a fucking peep about it, probably because they would have been fucking ruined. Yeah. But beyond that, they play the game in ways that are QAing a game is not easy. And it's hard enough to QA a game, a linear game like The Last of Us, walking in every corner, just trying to break it. Imagine a situation where you have an open world, nonlinear quest structure, things you don't even have to do, people you don't have to meet. You can kill everyone you encounter. You can drop all of your loot and run around naked. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. There is limitless permutations between everything. And the example I always use is I use in the past is with New Vegas. When I had the old cowboy hat, there's only two of them in the game. And if you wore an old cowboy hat, it went something along the lines. If you wore the old cowboy hat onto the Vegas strip, that was it. Yeah. then you always had to wear it to the strip. And you could conceivably break it or lose it. And there's only two of them in the game and it permanently breaks the game. But no one encountered that. So they didn't fix it until there was a patch that fixed it. Yeah. And that's the kind of problems you deal with when your game spiders out into this butterfly effect, the likes of which few games, maybe no game, has ever really done before. I do think Fallout 4, in terms of its ambition, will probably be one of the most ambitious Western role-playing games we've ever seen, if not the most ambitious in terms of quest structure, the way the characters interact with each other, the way you interact with the world, your karma. There's a million things that can go wrong in those not games. So the fact that they run it now, doing all these different things, yeah. exactly. The fact have I said this before, and I do to give them the credit. Although I don't want to give them a pass, I don't like giving developers passes, and I'm not giving them a pass. Anyone who w- listened to podcasts beyond or was at IGN when Skyrim came to the PS3 knows that I, did, I gave them the antithesis, the antithesis of a fucking pass on that game. I really went at them for that for that game, and because I, I thought it was inexcusable that yeah. they they released a game in that state, but. But this, I, it's a, it's amazing the game runs at all. Like right. that, that's the point but I'm trying see, to make. And they see that's where I think the pass comes in, right? This because this is always the thing you're talking about. Vote with your wallets. And we talked about this I think last week on this show, right? And the, and people had more questions about it, but we've already addressed it. I'm like, why you're supporting Fallout Four, but we're mad at Skyrim, right, or whatever. And your argument last time was different franchises. Yeah, different franchises, and and I. I've had good experiences. With, like I didn't play any more Skyrim. I never went back to it. That yeah. was my. That was me taking a stand against Skyrim I mean that was that was I mean that was I know you think it's another another thing entirely but it was, I was kind of you that was the nail in the coffin though. you had already taken a break from Skyrim yeah, yeah. And we're kind of over it but you might have come back and then that happened you were done yeah and I was like I was just I mean that, I know that's you know it seems like an unlikely story to you but that was no, it's not unlikely I, I'm I the unlikely story is when you're like yeah, I never was gonna play it again I'm never gonna play this game till they fix it <laughs> yeah and then they did fix it apparently but I never did go exactly back <laughs> um the point is that they did fix the game. Uh, there was some shadiness going on, in my opinion, with the the way that there was some poor communication going on. Maybe not shadiness. I think it was right poor word. communication. Poor yeah, communication. Yeah. It's not shady. It was it was just poor communication. They have a, it's a heavy lift for marketing and PR and the developers putting you know the sheen on the game and stuff like that. That's complicated. But um, I'm excited about Fallout Four because I fucking love Fallout. And I'll tell you what, Fallout Three ran fine on PS3. So um, you know, it's the same team, different games, different franchise, and Skyrim for the development period might have been a little too ambitious for PS3. I mean, it was just based on that cell architecture, that split yeah. 256 megabyte architecture for for running the game. I mean, it just wasn't enough. I think the thing is, again, it's why, and like, I'm quoting the free pass, right? Because I don't think they get a free pass. I think they, you can look back. But the reason I think you're more, not you, we, 
journalism, the echo chamber of video games, is more forgiving on it is the fact that, yeah, the games are so huge. And, yeah, there's justifications to the problems they've run into. Is it an excuse? No. But, yeah, the PS3 sucked. The PS3 sucked for what they were trying to do. And they, they're, what were they going to do? They can't have Sony go in and change the inner workings. They can't, you know, reallocate the RAM or whatever. They this may is, have not wanted to release the game at all on the PS3, but I, I don't know if that was an option for them. You yeah. know, it's just probably not an option. It would have been a really bad look for them. So, yeah. Um, it's complicated. I hear what you're saying. Is there a little bit of hypocrisy? Maybe. You know, maybe. Sometimes I can understand being so overwhelmingly excited about things that you ignore the problems of the previous thing. I get that. I mean, that was what we were talking about with Mass Effect. It's for me, it's like I expect to play it and have it crash. I mean, I'm expecting this. I know I have to run multiple saves. I know I have to back my saves up to the cloud and keep them on. You know what I mean? Like, I'm aware of all that, but I'm also aware of how much fun I have in these games. And I'm also aware I could sit and wait for the game a year edition. This is where it comes down to the vote with your wallet business. I know what I'm getting into. Just like with the Batman DLC, I knew what I was getting into. You know what I mean? Like, I am ready to give them my money for this experience, knowing full well that maybe 50 hours in, something goes fucking horribly wrong. Yeah, and I, I, I think that people just have to look at the grander picture. Think about Fallout 3 or New Vegas and think about what we know about Fallout 4 and what we assume Fallout 4 is going to be. There's, game, there's no game of that breadth or that ambition being released, and so your expectations for it should be a little different, in my opinion, like... There's compartmentalized vast Western role playing games like uh, like Mass Effect, where you have your you know the Normandy, you can go through all these systems, go land on these planets, and go to the go to um, the Citadel and and do all the missions and stuff like that. But everything's separate; it's all compartmentalized, and everything works as a component, so they work together when you yeah. put them together. Fallout's not built like that at all. Fallout, you are you play the game and you never leave the world in a conversation when you're looting something, when you're walking around and just going in and out of buildings, when you're uh, accepting missions when you're killing people, when you're failing missions, when you, like it all is within the same parameters of the same world, and it's just different. Game again, I will say it again. It is an impressive feat that that game works, yeah, considering no. all of the fucked up things that can be broken. And I'm sure if you sat down with Pete Hines or Todd Howard and were able to really talk to them on the record about things and had an interesting conversation with them about you know like what were some of the things that were broken, like when the game was feature complete and you sent it to QA and you just started to really get down to the nitty gritty and polish it. They'd probably have fucking credi- incredibly funny stories about the things that were broken. Yeah, yeah. You know? Just different combinations yeah, of socks. Yeah, at 12 o'clock at night on a Thursday, for some reason, Death Claws spawned like all over the place. We had no idea why we had to fix it. Like yeah. shit like that. I'm not saying that's that's one of the things. Sure, I, I no, but that's, like, that's but the I'm kind sure, of shit you deal with. I'm sure the shit that was popping up when they were playing the game was so outrageous and and common, and you slowly get rid of those things and play and play and play, and then you don't run into anything anymore. And then you have to kind of just put it out into the world knowing that the permutations of things that are going to have to happen to fix everything is going to have to happen later. Mm-hmm. That's the unfortunate, and it is an unfortunate reality of a game like that. It is not a linear. If The Last of Us was broken like that, it would have been unacceptable. Right? Yeah. There's only so many things that could be going on in the game at one time, but not in not in Fallout where you can kill everyone. What weapon is your weapon? It's your choice. What what are you carrying in your body right now? It's your choice. What's your what at, when you get to this point in the game when you're dealing with this thing and this crossing, what is your actual what can you what weight can you carry? Totally depends. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, exactly. Wildly different. Oh, it's a it's a Tuesday at 7, you have this quest active and a small gun equipped, the game crashes. We have no idea why. The game just crashes. Okay, yeah. we have to go into the code and fix that and they fix it. Yeah. I'm telling you shit like that happens. Yeah. And there's no rhyme or reason to it. That's and that's why these games take a long time to make, and that's why it's complicated to fix them. And so I think I understand what they're saying, but I do think that we have to judge. I do think it's important to judge different games based on different things. I was not mad that Skyrim didn't work on PS3 in terms of the game. I was mad that the PS3 wouldn't run the game that they made based on on 
RAM allocation, and that's everyone's fault. But I wasn't the game wasn't the game on Xbox 360 and PC worked. Yeah. So it's not that. It's something a little different. We'll see what happens with Fallout 4. I have every confidence that they've ironed it out. They have all the time in the world to work on. I mean, they've been working on that game for years. So, you know, I've More never been happier to have been right about something like than that game. Sure. It's ready. This table cannot take... This is just an Ikea table. You cannot be karate, karate chopping it. All right, fair enough. Thank you. Senor Oro says, Hey, Colin and Greg. Hello. You said before that we as gamers need to speak with our wallets and refuse to buy optional DLC. Does this include when the price is dropped or there's a cheaper game of the year edition? Since I first listened to you two from Podcast Beyond, I've been holding off on day one prices and wait for sales or price drops. Now, real We've clear, never said that. that is not the point anyone has ever driven home on these show. It's vote with the wallet, meaning buy what you want to buy, but then don't bitch about the ramifications of it. Don't buy microtransactions or day one DLC and then complain about how horrible microtransactions in day one DLC is. Yeah, I was going to say, that's that's taking out of context the things we've said. Yeah. If you want to buy, first of all, you should buy full price games if you like, if you're excited about the developer, support the publisher. I mean, that's when they're making the most money and that's impo- I think that's an important component of what he's saying. I think that waiting in perpetuity for price drops is fiscally sound and the, and it's your prerogative. Do what you want. Buy used games, buy cheap games, do what you want. But you also want to make, take the time when you can, when you can financially do it. And it's not going to be every time probably to make sure to reward studio X and publisher Y. If you yep. like what they do yeah, exactly. by paying $60 for the game, the DLC situation is different. Day one DLC is not that unsavory to me. Depending. I was talking about someone about uncharted Four. they brought up an interesting point that, is it possible that all because I was talking about Nolan North just finishing his mocap and they're like is that possible ah. that his mocap could be for DLC and I'm like that's possible but if so that's bullshit you know what I mean like that's the the, the studio can do many things at one time but finish the game and then worry about the DLC I mean that's my gotcha. very simple See, ignorant I'm, take I would, on it. I, my ignorant take on it would be yeah that would be I would be I would agree with you that argument if the game just delayed again and that was one of the things that if they could have had more people if I understand you understand too how long it takes for all that shit to roll out. Mm-hmm. If it needs to be that, like they're you know Neil and him are working through these scenes in mocap, and now he's officially done for it. Great, because that's still months of work where they go through yeah. and animate the faces and do all the different stuff. Yeah, I mean that's that's a way I'm looking at it is admittedly very reductive in the sense that it could have just been Nolan North is not available after in November in perpetuity. It's just never yeah. available. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's yeah, doing exactly, his new series exactly. now. Something like all right, we we'll, we have to write this and and it's written, so let's just do it. Um, and then we can just give the mocap to the animators and worry about it later. You know? Yeah. So it's possible. Anything's possible. The point was made, though, that the mocap distance between the game's release date and the last mocap of the last episode was identical, which is a fair point. Oh, interesting. Colin, let's do two more questions. Okay. I'm going to talk to you, or you get to pick, all right? I'm going to talk to you, because I, I, I know what they are. All right. Rewarding for platinum trophies. Console wars. AO rated games. You pick one of those for the next the console wars. This comes from, of course, kind of funny.com slash PSQ, where you can go leave your questions. This is silent storm. The book console wars describes how the fall of Sega was largely due to Sega of Japan's inability to innovate and capitalize on its American counterparts success. Do you agree with this? And do you think Sony has the same problems today? Do I agree with that? Yeah. Do I think that? I mean, Blake Harris was very comprehensive. Looks book. great. Go pick up Console Wars by Blake Harris. Um, but do I think that 
Sony has the same problem? No, definitely they're actually not. not I, I, it's one of those where I think Sony more than ever, especially with PlayStation 4, is listening to the American counterparts and doing these things, right? 85% of their studios are Western. Yeah. So if you think that they, and I mean, very, it's it's really somewhat rare for a game to come out of Japan, you know, when you really think about it. I mean, let me open the, let me open the, the, um, the PlayStation blog again and uh, go to the drop. Written by Ryan Clements. Hey, Ryan, how you doing? At Palm Sider, everybody. Wishing well. I could be right or I could be wrong based on... Um, I may be right. All right. Where is it? Here it is. Nope, that's not it. Where? You'll find there the it drop. Is. There it is. Um, so Alien Isolation coming out. That's a, a Western game. Arcade Archives isn't really a release, but that's a Japanese game. Darksiders is a Western game. Divinity is a Western game. Mega Coin Squad is a Western game. Minecraft is a Western game. MX versus ATV is a Western game. River City. So the PS3 All-Star Special Game. That's a Japanese game. Tecmo's Deception is a PS1 classic. That's a, a, a Japanese game. Trails in the Sky is a Japanese game. WWE 2K16 is an American game. The, the, the thing that you realize about all those games, of all the games on current consoles are all Western games. Mm-hmm. So Sony makes great games out of Japan and funds great games out of Japan. Bloodborne, for instance. Um, the cult classic Knack came out of Studio Japan. But um, And they work with their Japanese partner, Square Enix, etc., you know, um, to get you know games out, but I don't think they suffer from the same problem in that they're not as an insular company. They did. It seems like everything does run through Sony Japan, but they have people that they listen to all over the place. And if they didn't listen to them, they would have never identified Naughty Dog or Media Molecule yep. or all these studios that are really kind of buttering. And I mean, even be bigger than that. I mean, what we're talking about with the PlayStation Four, right? And and I mean this, the the amount of power and goodwill they have with the gamers right now. You know what I mean? Like. I don't think Sony of Japan, and this comes from somebody who covered it for eight years, right, in uh, PlayStation in general, would have been down in the PlayStation 3 generation with Adam Boys and Shu doing a video on how to share games. Right. That's totally just a jab. Or let Shu be as expressive on Twitter as he is now. You know what I mean? Like, There's all these things that I feel like are Western traits that are, are the Western people saying, hey, guys, look at what's happening here. This is how it's going. We need to talk about that. Geo Corsi and everything those guys are doing. is, You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, no, I agree. There's a lot of things happening, and I mean, outside of game releases where you feel, I think, for the first time in a long time that it is, you know, Sony Computer Entertainment America. America has a say in t- and a part of it and it's yeah. talking and getting listened to more than ever on big things. Yeah, I don't think that they suffer from the same problems. No, I think Sony's in a much better position than Sega, frankly, yeah. ever was. Yeah. Um, even with Genesis. Um, well, I don't want to spoil the book. You should read the book. You've read it, obviously, but other people should read it. Read the book. <laughs> All right, Colin. Your final question. DualShock 4's touchpad? Turning off multiplayer servers? Rewarding players for platinum trophies? You keep saying that one, but I don't want to read it. That's fine. I'm just well, I'm looking through and I'm like, I don't want to end on a couple. Shutting of down ones. multiplayer servers sounds like an interesting one. You didn't think I was going to select that one. I, I mean, I wouldn't. Have, I mean, I thought it was possible. Well, you didn't think it was possible. You didn't think it was even probable. Okay. Yeah. Go everybody to kindoffunny.com/psq to ask your question, just like confusing buffet did. You there, sir? I request a resolution to this predicament. At what point is it acceptable for developers slash publishers? To turn off multiplayer servers, sending long forgotten games into the abyss forever. Sneaking it in. Also, Telltale DC Universe. Why has no one thought of this? Make it so. Cheerio! Confusing Buffet. Now, Confusing Buffet, you're clearly confused. People have thought of Telltale DC Universe, and that's why there's Telltale Marvel Universe. Telltale has signed a deal with Marvel to make video games. They will be coming, I think, in 2016 was the announcement, but it was at. I'm sure they'll be extremely different from all the other series they make. I think they'll they'll be more action. They'll be punching more things. Not like instantaneously be like, do you want to punch him or do you want to web him? Do you want to punch him or, oh, there goes your game save. <laughs> um, so, uh, 
I'm only kidding. I mean, they're not they're not that bad anymore. And it's still anecdotal. I've not played a Telltale game since Walking Dead season one. I'm just busting balls. Um, it's a case by case basis. Right. I mean, I, I think that if the game, I'm sure there's some sort of algorithm or money being made or that's lost. my question. Do you think it, the problem? I think it comes down. It's got to be money. It's all money in terms of how much you're making. And this is where the microtransactions. I think stop being a bad word. You know what I mean? Because stick with stick with me. DC Universe. I love DC Universe, right? When they went free to play and then put in microtransactions and put in subscription plans. I continue to play for my subscription plan so that when I want to play it, it's there and I can play it. Because I understand that to keep the servers running and keep ma- people making content, even if it's just the core audience that I'm on the outskirts of, right? But the people who play and raid every week or whatever, if they're doing it and supporting the ecosystem and keeping it going, the, it doesn't have to be... You don't have to look at it and say, well... There's not a million people playing. It's it's similar to kind of funny, right? Like it's like, yeah, we don't have a million subs on YouTube and we don't need it, right? Because if you go to Patreon and you watch what happens and like what the ten thousand people give us, they give us enough to live and keep this going and grow this as we mm-hmm. go. And hopefully more people come in and we keeps going. But like if it shrank, that'd be a different thing. If there were wasn't money coming in, that's the problem. Yeah, it's just a financial situation. I I don't think that. I think they they did. Their their duty to the gamer is to go as long as possible, but ultimately, if they see you know a few hundred people on a server at any given time, it's probably not worth keeping it open. Yeah, exactly. And unfortunately, it does just kill games. Like you know, I remember when White Knight Chronicles went down. I think Mag went down. Other games that people still played and they couldn't play anymore. I remember White Knight Chronicles was an especially big deal because I think that Platinum is like unachievable now. Oh, sure. And that's a bigger that's a bigger question as to like how it affects single player com- experiences and trophies and all that kind of stuff. I don't like that. Again, if we had our trophy consulting business, mm-hmm. we would build in fail safes. So, that, okay, you're going off. When you go offline, you have to automatically give those trophies to anybody who signs in. Because that would really help me with my Ghostbusters Platinum. Because mm-hmm. I'll never be able to get it. Mm-hmm. And also, it was a bullshit Platinum, so whatever. But yeah, go sure. on there and get all these randomly generated. Go- Come on, man. Just you know, you got, I had to print a checklist off the internet. and go. No, thank you. No, I'm Anybody good. Got I'm good. That. No. Colin? Yes. It's time for a segment we call this week's Forgotten PlayStation Game. It's your turn to pick. Is it my turn? I forgot. Um, ah, well, it's no. I mean, it's 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 fine because I knew what, I knew what next game I want to talk about. I'm, I want to say with the Vita, Escape Plan, Will Large, Will Large. A lot of people don't give Escape Plan a lot of love um, anymore. It was a, it was supposed to be a launch Vita game. It came out a few weeks after Vita came out. I remember I stayed home and reviewed it. Um, fantastic game. I think it uses the Vita very cleverly. You can play it on PS4 now. Different control scheme. I think the game's very cute. Uh, Fumbits Interactive has some cute ideas. I mean, those, that's the remnants of the, the Fat Princess team. Yep. Um, the original Fat Princess team. I mean, there is a Fat Princess game coming out still, but not like, but it's not Fat Princess. Yeah. Um. So uh, I want to recommend Escape Plan. I think that's a great Vita game, and you can also play it on PS4. So you can get the best of both worlds. I think it's actually cross buy, but you should look into that before buying it to make sure. Uh, let me know what you think. Um, black and white aesthetic. It's a very self aware game. It's very silly. It's a it's more of a puzzle adventure type game, which is not really my thing. But yeah. Um, I was really uh, quite enamored with uh, the characters and the collectibles and the world and the villains really funny little and large are funny the one thing I really love about them is that you die the more you die the numbers that of times you've died like is uh, is the number like looks yeah. like their jersey basically it's cool it's a really cute game all right there you go ladies so and gentlemen. escape plan it is ladies and gentlemen this has been PS I love you XO XO episode 5 thank you so much for joining us remember this was the pre Paris Games week. Am I saying that right? Mm-hmm. Week. That's how you say it over there. It's not. How do you say week in French? I don't in French, France. Uh, palms de, de terre. Paris games. Palms de terre. This is the pre Paris games. Palm de terre. Uh, we will be doing one today, the Tuesday that we post this. 
caching you up on everything that happened at Paris Games Week. So if you finish this episode, get ready for another. It should already be there. Just go in. It's probably there on iTunes already. Oh, I know how to say week. Dot com uh, slash kind of funny. Ari got vert. All right. You're smiling too much. It's green bean. Is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Ari got. Zootalores. Ah, remember, ladies and gentlemen. P.S. I love you. XOXO is a product of kindoffunny.com. It's fun doing this show each and every Tuesday for you at 9 a.m. Posting it on iTunes and YouTube.com slash kindoffunnygames. But kindoffunny.com keeps the lights on. So go over there. Watch the videos. Subscribe to the YouTube channels. Back us on patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames. And if you do it before Wednesday, you can come be part of the Q&A that's live in a private live stream for you is if you get $15 or more. Remember that kindoffunny.com slash extra life is November 7th. We'll be playing games for 24 hours. You can still go and donate to the team, join the team, or just get ready to watch it. Uh, remember, keep your fucking questions short. A lot of you people over on kindoffunny.com slash diatribes writing your goddamn novels. If you haven't noticed, they don't get read. So knock it the fuck off. <laughs> Somebody's got to put you in your place uh, and buy stuff. <laughs> kindoffunny.com slash store. <laughs> we love you all. Thank you for your support here. Each and every episode of P.S. I Love You XOXO ends in a song in a segment we call Singing to Shoe Hey. If you have a song you want to submit, it has to be your song that you've written or performed or whatever. Go to kindoffunny.com slash PSM. That's the M for music. Also remember that I need a SoundCloud link for me, something to download the, the thing, and then a YouTube link so I can link you off to a YouTube page. Give you the hits on the YouTube version since I can't play it, and then put the audio mp3 on the mp3 this one comes from it's van aiken but immediately forget that and remember alaskan deep that's the band name alaskan deep says hey everyone i'd like to submit my song gray it's part of a three song ep i released back in may with one of my best friends who plays the drums i recorded mixed and mastered it all in my living room the lyrics speak about a person going through horrible times in their lives weathering the storm and coming out the other side i hope you enjoy i did it's van aiken slash alaskan deep ladies and gentlemen if you enjoy it head over to soundcloud.com slash alaskan deep or if you're on the youtube version click on the little youtube thing that'll pop up here and you go listen to the song there a live version of it until next time it's been our pleasure to serve you here's alaskan deep with gray goodbye Yeah.